Blog Talk Radio. Season one, I'm now just now getting on season three, 
And listen, it's been keeping me up late at night. I've even, I've been having even weird dreams. I'm like, what the hell? This, this thing is so damn good. Y'all was right. Y'all tried to tell me about it, and I was like, uh, uh-uh. uh. <laughs> oh my god, it is. I'm like, you know, I'm a kind of a. You know, I know y'all probably wouldn't think this, but I'm kind of a sentimentalist a little bit. I can be kind of sentimental. And when it comes to sub movies and stuff, I think I've cried three times in the hands, hands made to <laughs> Watching the hands made to I think I've cried three times. I'm like, oh, like boo-hoo and after, a, 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 after a, something, like a significant uh, uh, episode. I'm like, oh, my God. So I, Yeah, so it is... It is really crazy. For those of you who don't know what The Hands Made Tale is, if you haven't been watching it, it is about um, this young lady's a story of, an, of coming up in a new America where America has been taken over by a very religious right-alt group, right? And uh, they're very conservative. It kind of turns back the times uh, in uh, America to kind of more of a... Um, uh, very religious time. Uh, the the women are and the handmaids. Women are women who are th- there to help these guys that's called the commanders have children and stuff. Because the United States has become, I guess, the population for having children has become low and stuff like that. And so, the, it the, basically the handmaid tells is what happens when extremism goes fucking too far. And that and you know they use religion in 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 this show. Okay, but I say with any any ideology, this can happen. Okay, ideologies are, are, are can become any extremism in ideology and not lack of balance can make something bad. Like we're living in the extremism of tech of the tech world, right? And where your privacy, so it you can have the same thing from a far left side, right? So. Um, don't think that. You know, I think 1984 is more built on, like, a kind of a far-left worship of the state type of side, right, where it has a handsmaid tale is dealing with a far-right worship of theocracy type of side, okay? And it is very, I mean, so interesting. I can see something like this happening, period, on either side, because Americans, I mean, we kind of have that kind of stuff happening right now, like people who are, Consider like because people weren't getting vaccines or something like that. You know, you already you shouldn't see a little bit of a separating of society and stuff like that. I mean, it it can it can totally happen, right? And then one of the things I was thinking about when I was watching Handsmaid, as I've been watching this Handsmaid tale, is and I actually saw a friend of mine had put it up that she was watching it, and I said, you know what, I might as well go ahead and watch it because everybody has been talking about it, and I decided to watch it. But you know, one of the things it reminded me of. You know, as I was watching it, I was thinking about slavery. And I was like, oh, my God, this is what black people went through for literally almost 300 and some years in America. If you want to see hands made tell, this is what black people went through on a more extreme level. <laughs> oh, you're in the 18th. This is what black people endure. Now, in the hands made tell, is society has turned over itself and everybody is 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 you know uh, under this type of extremism but when i think about it slavery was very this was this is this was very this this hands may tell is very similar to slavery except for slavery was far more harsh so if you watch the hands may tell and you think about slavery 
what black people endured for uh, for hundreds of years in America on America's soil. Black, uh, black American, Native Black Americans, what was endured, and then add on that an extra hundred years of Jim Crow laws and segregation, <laughs> and then add on some racism on top of it today, hidden racism. And stuff. I mean, you really begin to get a picture of what. I mean, people, you know, people often disassociate from slavery, except for Roots was the first movie that made people really see the. Uh, harshness of that institution, right, and to, and to remember that there is a whole group of people on American soil, the only group of people who did not immigrate, <laughs> right? So, um, some would argue that some black people were already here, but also um, people who were stolen from their land, right? Uh, the only group... It, Native black Americans have a very unusual story in America. And so when you, when I was watching Handmaid's Tales, I was kind of reminded of that. I was thinking like, wow, you know, just think, I just, I had a thought back to my black people and I said, you know, ancestral flashback kind of. And I was like, damn, you know, think about the, it, it brings, Roots brought that kind of to life. But this hands made tale has kind of triggered that again for me because I, you know, sometimes we're so detached from what slavery really was. You know what I'm saying? And what, and and the horrific toll that it not only took in that present moment when it was happening, but the horrific toll it would take on generations of uh, generations of a people. Right? It would it would produce very great things. Right? Black people would produce very good things from being um, mistreated and mishandled and, uh, and and abused, but at the same time, it would also produce. It would also uh, uh, leave a have a legacy of poverty and and um, institutionalized racism. All these things, and when you begin to see that, I mean, I just saw that you see that on Handsmaid Tale, and you probably horrified. But to me, I just reverted back and thinking about what was slavery like, you know what I'm saying? So um, very interesting uh, story. I am actually very tripped out by it. I really really love it. It It's very weird. It's very strange. It does trigger my, uh, um, how can I say it? I I feel like I'm a little intuitive, you know, not a little. I probably a lot of have a lot of intuition sometimes, and I can be, you know, sometimes, you know, I can have what people call the gifts. I can be a little psychic, so I think it's kind of triggered a little bit of that going on. So I have to watch. Sometimes I have to be careful of watch what certain things I watch because I can dream up things or I can see things. So, I, so I'm always careful about what I let in my energy field. But, it, listen, it, it, it's, it, it's a very good movie. I mean, it will it will trigger you probably in very interesting ways, though. For me, it was because I don't believe society is that far off of, of behavior, that those type of behaviors. When we become, you know, and, it, it's, and slavery is proof of that, what people will do for um, financial gain and wealth. But it also shows that what, the human mind is capable of when the wrong type of ideologies begin to take over and become extremism, right? 
And it's so interesting. I, I I like the way they use religion on this one, but actually I believe it's a, we're we're dealing with the opposite, a la or that type of thing today. But and I think religious people are in danger of being like the hands made tales or whatever. But when you look at uh this this type of show, it, it it's you're reminded of just that a society without love cannot function. Whether you're deep, you can be deeply religious and claim to be a voice of God or every anything, but if you don't really have a love, you know what I'm saying? Which which the hands made tell there are there are interwoven within this movie, which I find so very fascinating. And by the way, I heard it run a lot of Emmys and stuff. I'm late to the party, but it deserved every last one of them. But interwoven into this tale, you see little. Uh, little uh, uh, kind of uh, little streams of love, but the overall theme is that these people don't have love. They have religious, extreme religious beliefs, but without love, without empathy, uh, without even a sort of tolerance. You know what I'm saying? So it is, um, and that can happen even in a world of liberalism, which I think we're seeing now, right? If you lack love, in any type of of ideology with it, any kind of you are in danger. You know, your society is in danger, period. When it, that's why I was so worried about COVID-19. Uh, the fear of death sometimes sparks people uh, to to have a lack of love. Because humans can be like, you know, you could be so afraid that you – Lack empathy, or you lack, you start to lack. You know, I can see how certain things have changed over the years in human. And I'm not saying be unwise out here, but I'm just saying, like, you know, if a stranger is beating on your door in the middle of the night asking for help, most people are not going to open their door. And I can't blame. Them. I ain't saying that, but years ago that wouldn't be unheard of. People would open their door, but because society things have happened that are are bad in society, it makes people fear. And now people are like, ooh, I don't want to get involved or something like that. And it just, it begins to take away love even more. And so I think that, and I'm not saying that don't be wise and stop and restrain. I'm not saying that you got to use your wisdom and intuition. But I'm just saying that it just shows that how fear can eat away at love. You know, and I think this COVID thing, and I think they understand that. The powers that be, my personal opinion is that we you have a group of people not not all people but a group of people who 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 have become very dependent on their on on their wealth and they uh they have a spirit of control and they want to control society and I think they understand very well what happens when they introduce these things and theories to society, like saying, you know, when you wear a mask all day, <laughs> when you're because mask itself is lacks intimacy because you can't see the person behind the mask, right? You know what I'm saying? It, it is a very cold. I, I, and I always try to tell people with COVID, look at your, open your third eye. You know what I'm saying? It's not just it's not you're not just being here. We're not just in a world of where we're um, how can I explain this in the best way? We're not just in a world where we're trying to be, you know, fear, where you're fearing. I'm very. COVID is a very. Uh, how can I explain it? 
9-11 was a very real thing that happened, right? But afterwards, they used the fear of terrorism to begin to invoke laws that were very um, very hard on society, right? And people accepted that in because of their fear of what? Ultimately, death, right? So the same thing with COVID-19. Uh, you have people who everybody you may have had a, somebody may have known or had a loved one who passed away or known. I, I, I knew a few people and I had a loved one pass away and stuff like that. So you you know people who pass away and suddenly people are fearful, right? And they will do anything to protect their life, including sacrifice the greatest sacrifice of all, which is love. Okay, and when you sacrifice love. Well, you're you're at a stance, you're at death's door anyway. And I think that's what most of society doesn't understand. The more that your inhibitions are beginning to be torn down where you don't, the less and less that you love. You see people as humans. Like, you know, like say, for instance, you see people as the less and less that you see in society Humanity for what it is And you begin to see it has Almost non-human The more you lack love I mean you can hear the, the things Like even I was listening on TV the other day Where somebody was saying um, They were selling fake vaccines cards Okay fake, fake vaccine cards And I, I'm going somewhere with this And this lady goes well that's not right they're selling fake, fake vaccine cards. You shouldn't want, and I, and I think it's wrong to say sell fake vaccine cards too, but listen, I don't think you should know whether somebody's being vaccinated or not. That is a violation of HIPAA laws. But you will, you, but society and the news media is telling you that this is patriotic duty. You're protecting, you're blah, blah, blah. See, they're making an us against them. Right, so type of scenario. So people begin to say, uh, if you, if you're, it's, it's about. It, she said, it's about, uh, about your fellow human that if you've been vaccinated or not. Well, what do you care if you're protected? That if the other person chooses not to do it, why do you care? You didn't know before who had HIV in society and who didn't. And here's the funny thing: with HIV, it was the exact opposite in the eighties. In the 80s, it was uh, there was there was this thing. People were acting irrational with HIV, not wanting to bury people because they had uh, the virus. As a matter of fact, today sometimes there's there's still stick a stigma around the HIV virus, right? Uh, there was a lot of stigma in the 80s. I know that's hard for people to believe now. There was a lot of stigma uh, in the 80s surrounding it until this young man, little boy named Ryan got sick, right? And he became a poster child because his family was treated harshly and everything. But he became a poster child for, uh, begin, you know, to accept people with HIV virus, and Magic Johnson did too, right, to begin to be more accepting of that virus and not be afraid. You got people got more educated on it and stuff like that, and people stopped treating people rude and not wanting to bury people and not wanting to blah, 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 and, you know, because they had HIV or AIDS, right? Today's society is COVID-19, and what you're seeing is the opposite of what there is. Now there is a push where there was a push to try to keep 
to stop ask, asking people, having people act irrational about HIV, right? Now there is a push kind of to make people irrational about COVID. Like, you you do need to be separated from people who aren't vaccinated. You do need to be, uh, you, uh, you, you need to wear a mask. It's sort of like uh, the, the people who were acting crazy in the 80s about HIV are, are now accepted <laughs> with COVID, right? And this kind of behavior, even though fear, I think people should be very careful, you know what I'm saying, people should be still careful and stuff like that with everything, just like you would the common code or whatever. However, your fear, your irrational fear provokes you to have a lack of love or a lack of caring, right? And we begin to put these, uh, we begin to start saying, bringing in society's ideas of discriminating, again, discrimination and all kinds of things. And that's the kind of energy that is pretty much scaring me. When government gets involved, when I see celebrities start out being out here talking about, I'm getting vaccinated, I got vaccinated and all that, I start to be like, huh, not that anything's wrong with the vaccine, but I begin to wonder about social engineering and what are we introducing. Hey, the only way you will get back to normal is if you do this or if you do this. Fear is always behind uh, getting people to do the government, getting people to do what they want them to do, right? And with that, with that irrational fear, because makes a society that lacks love and lacks trust. Now people can't even sneeze out in public with somebody looking at them funny. I mean, really, what the fuck? <laughs> Excuse me, I mean, I'm just saying, you know what? I'm saying? Or when somebody saying without somebody saying bless you and being kind, because the, they've promoted irrational fears, right? And it's and death is death is a part death is death is don't nobody want to die right now I don't get it, but death is really real. Death happens and it's something that you as a human can't control. And I think when humans understand that more, we'll we'll stop letting these powers in society manipulate us. Every time some disease comes out, and every time some, and maybe we'll have it, we'll get gain some balance in the world. Maybe we'll gain some balance between protecting ourselves and protecting our loved ones, but also having love and empathy and understanding that yes, yeah, science is good, but science ain't spiritual. Now, I know they like to say I'm a watch of science. And when I see an administration talking about I'm just going to pay attention to the science and all that stuff, I get worried, too, about that. Because there's a very spirit, real spiritual aspect to society. And when you say you're going to ignore that for an ever-changing thing, well, you know, I, I think you're you're in danger. You have to have a balance. Human beings, the behavior of human beings, uh, maybe science is used to study it, but it's a very spiritual aspect to it. So, you know, what I'm saying, if we can't, un- we don't, we start enacting things in the name of science that can be very rigid and ever-changing and not look at behavioral patterns and stuff like that and how we affect society, how the effects of some of these restrictions and stuff can start affecting society and people, then we got a real problem. That's just my personal opinion. And I've been preaching that for the longest, but, you know, hey, that's just my thought, right? Uh, so I am, I just, I, I, I found Handmaid's Tale to very much be a picture of what society can become when you have extreme ideologies, right? 
and extreme ideas that uh, that can take over people, and that can come from anywhere. And 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 and, and it's always used. Always, what's used to control societies is fear. So, very interesting. Very interesting. I, I, it's, I, I really, I really, really enjoyed. I really enjoyed watching the series. So, I'll probably talk to you guys about it next week. You know, once I see this, uh, to get to final season four and what's going on with it too. Okay. But I did feel like the hands made chill was a little good timesy. Every time it's over, like she always looks like she's about to get away and she never gets away. Well, of course that's part of the story, right? Like, you know, if she didn't, if she got away with the story in, would that be it? I mean, you know what I'm saying? But the whole thing, every time that, every time the series is, I'm like, you know, I start singing the good times theme in my head, just looking out the window, watching the asphalt grow. <laughs> I start hearing the good times thing because, you know, in good times, they never get out the ghetto. <laughs> it was always a struggle to get out, right? Which I love good times. Good times has a lot of great things today. You know, you, it really, good times was a really good picture of black America, in my personal opinion, in those in those, in those times, right? Um, <laughs> and it also was very, at sometimes the good times could be very um, political, you know, so, uh, but anyway, however, I, I but the thing thing was they never got out until the end, right? And so that's what I always say. Oh, this is what Handsmaid tells a little good times. She's not gonna get. <laughs> we're never gonna see her get out right away, right? <laughs> At least as far as I've gotten, right? So the first three seasons that I have seen, all right. So it is uh, very interesting. I am enjoying that. I also got to see Billie Holiday. Uh, the, what's the case for Billie? The case against Billie Holiday or whatever. You know, I'm a big Billie Holiday fan. Now, if you listen to this show for a long time, people may know that I'm, I'm intrigued by Billie Holiday. There are certain people I'm intrigued by in, uh, throughout history, and I started reading on Billie Holiday years ago when I read this. I, I read Maya Angelou had a book. Um, I forget the name of which one of her books was because she she wrote several uh, series to her um, uh, her life story, and I don't know if it was one, if it was one a couple after. It was a it was a couple of books after the the cage verse things, but she wrote a several like in, books to her life journey, and I can't remember which book it was in. But she talks about this meeting with Billie Holiday, right, in her book. And I was reading it, and I remember she said she described Billie Holiday coming to her house, and she was talking about how Billie Holiday was like a cursor, a smoker. <laughs> And I was like, oh, my God, that is nothing like the Lady Sings the Blues character, right? You know, because, you know, I mean, they did show a little bit of the smoking stuff, but they didn't really show that. I mean, as much as I love Diana Ross and I love Lady Sings the Blues, it was very it was very kind of fictional to what really Billy went through, right? And so that started my interest with Billy Holiday, and I got books on Billy Holiday, and I started reading about Billy Holiday, and I started listening to tapes and audios, and I got this big collection of all of Billy Holiday's. I gotta find my shit too. I don't know where it is. It's somewhere packed up, but I got like this big collection of all Billy Holiday's uh, performances and uh, on DVD and her uh, and her interviews and stuff like that because I I was so intrigued by Billy Holiday. I mean, she was such a highly intelligent, smart woman who had just been hit in life by so much shit, you know what I'm saying, like, you know, that she, 
you know, the, and I also think it was the time in which Billy lived in. Billy was a Taurus, by the way. She was born, was it April? No, t- Billy was an Aries, which is, which, which kind of, you know, you know, Aries is about that. Like, they be having, Aries be, you know, Aries is a, what? Aries is ruled by Mars. Mars is what? Uh, Mars is, you know, that war energy, right? Uh, the only other sign that's ruled by Mars is Scorpio, right? And it, But Scorpio, the difference between Scorpios and Aries is, Scorpio is co-ruled by Pluto, right? So it's a very different. But she, Mar- Aries just rules, uh, I mean, uh, P- Mars just rules uh, P- uh, Aries. And I can see that Aries thing throughout Billy Holiday's life, right, that war energy. I mean, she warred in everything with men, the music, the, the, uh, the feds coming after her all the time. It was constant war with Billy. Uh, so I I really really love stories about the things about Billie Holiday and so watching this movie I let me tell you I can tell Lee Daniels directed it I don't no offense to Lee Daniels nothing personal I'm just not into Lee Daniels directing okay I mean I you know but here's the thing I love Andrea O'Day and the cast of this. One thing about I can say about uh, Lee Daniels is he knows that I don't know who picks his cast up. These cast, these cast, the casting directors he gets, they pick great cast. I mean, they usually do great cast cho- choices. And the actors in this, the guy who played um, Everybody Loves Chris, even though he has a small little role here and there, oh my God, he's so powerful. His presence is so powerful in this movie. Uh, uh, just, uh, I mean, just. Uh, and some of it's been fictionalized, too, you know what I'm saying? Or, or we don't know, you know, because there was a question about whether Billy had a relationship with this uh, this this Fed Fletcher guy. There's always questions about that. Uh, people never, you know, weren't really sure. But Billy was fascinating because Billy had these abusive relationships. All three of her husbands were abusive, including Louis McKay, who's romanticized in Lady Sings the Blues. He was crazy as fuck, though, <laughs> kind of allegedly in his real life. I mean, he, you know, he, he put hands to Billy. Most of the men in Billy's life did. But Billy also was, uh, liked women. Billy was, uh, and had very interesting reasons for it, too. I mean, you know, uh, she, her thing were men. She loved men. But, and she, I really consider Billy, some people, I would consider Billy bisexual, but more straight. Billy, um, uh, the reason I think Billy and I've heard, I think I remember in an interview hearing this, that she was more comfortable with women, I think, because of what happened in her life. She was raped when she was a young girl. So, and she and she was, you know, she lived, I think, in a, a house that was like kind of a prostitution house. It's like Billy has a wonderful story. If somebody ever told the full story, oh my God, it would be great. And I, I hate Andrea Day got used for just this movie, but. Andrea O'Day is a fab. She did such a good ass job. She's the she caught the essence of Billie Holiday, the raspy voice, the smoke. She don't look like her, but damn, she could she her her spirit was there. I mean, she caught the spirit of what I feel like Billie Holiday was. Like in listening to Billie Holiday over the years and everything. Oh my God, I can't say enough about her performance. She should get the Academy. I don't know who the other people are. I got maybe I need to look at it, but she did such a fabulous job okay and that cast was dope too the whole cast okay very great a great cast i don't like the direction i will say that uh i felt 
felt it was like all that was a problem. It was all over the place, and the cast did the best way that it could be with the scenes and the script that it was given. But my God, I would love to see this cast in a really great, greatly written and directed story about Billie Holiday because Andrea O'Day was just fabulous. Okay, she's just fabulous. And that's no, no offense to uh, your, your boy <laughs> Daniel. I'm just not. I don't feel it. Oh man, I don't make friends, man. What's wrong, man? Am I too honest? Am I too honest in these streets? Man, I gotta stop. I'm like, okay, he's a great director. I mean, I'm not saying he's not a good director. It's just not my cup of tea. Okay, and I might not be nobody's cup of tea. Some people listen to this show and say, "Shit, she ain't my cup of tea." I'm okay with that. Shit. <laughs> okay, so uh, we are getting down. It is Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day to all you women out there who are mothers. Shout out to y'all. Y'all do a hell of a job. Most of y'all, most of y'all, not all of y'all asses. Some of y'all asses got no y'all y'all mommies and y'all mommies physically, but y'all shit. <laughs> y'all. Didn't, Y'all didn't need to have no kids, but oh well. <laughs> okay, thank God for the children. But, you know, happy Mother's Day to all of y'all out there, even the bad ones, okay? Uh, and uh, so, oh, and I got to say happy birthday and happy Mother's Day for, to my mommy. My mommy's birthday was uh, the 6th of May, right? My mother, <laughs> me and my mother are more like sisters, but my, mo- my mother's a wild child. She's a tourist child in these streets, and she loves being a tourist, okay? Talking with you. A mess, okay? So her birthday was this week. So shout out to her and happy Mother's Day to her. Happy Mother's Day to my granny. That's my baby. Uh, her birth, I mean, her birth, her birthday already passed, but happy Mother's Day to her, okay? So, okay, so I have my it's a word today is, I don't know. I do this thing every week for those, those of you who are new to the show. I know I got some new followers this week. Man, what's up to y'all? <laughs> right? So, um, yeah, so... I do this thing at once. Uh, 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 once I try to do it, okay, on here called "It's a Word," and I where I explain kind of. I kind of. I don't know if it's motivation or not. It's just explaining about something I've learned this week, or something I've went through, or something. And it's you know really trying to, uh, trying to motivate you or help maybe uh, encourage you in your life about things maybe you're going through, okay. And so this is that segment, It's a Word for me. And so this week, my It's a Word is going to be kind of twofold. I have those often sometimes. So one is for Mother's Day, okay? Um, and there's this great, uh, I don't have it up. Y'all know how I be messy on this show, okay? I'll be, I'll be having, I'll be saying I got to say something, but I don't have the stuff up that I need to <laughs> have up. So let me put it here, Mother's what I wanted to talk to you guys about. Hey, there's a, you know, I often, sometimes I use the, uh, the Bible for a story on here, but I love this story. There's a, one of my favorite stories in uh, the Bible is this story about two mothers going to Solomon, King Solomon at the time, and um, uh, and they're, both of them are claiming uh, to be a baby's mother, right? Uh, and... Uh, King Solomon gets tired of going, them going back and forth about who, and this is in First Kings, I think three. If you want to look it up, it's in First Kings, uh, chapter three, sixty verses sixteen to eighteen. And it's two mothers living in the same house. Each mother of an infant son came to Solomon. 
One of the babies had been smothered, and each claimed the remaining boy has her own, calling for a calling for a sword. Solomon in this calls for a sword. Okay, I'm gonna tell it in my way. Solomon calls for a sword and tells his people split the baby in half. Right? <laughs> uh, each woman, each woman will receive half the baby. Right? He, he that's that was his judgment. Right? And um. And one of the women came forward crying and saying, no, just give her the, let me just read it for you guys here. I'll put it up here. Um, okay. Uh, he was, uh, he said, uh, the, uh, received it. with this strategy, he was able to discern a non-mother as a woman who entirely approved of the proposal, while the actual mother begged that the sword might be, and the child committed to the care of her rival. So the other mother said, hey, you know what, don't cut this baby in half. One mother was crying, saying, please don't, just, you know, just just take, let her take the baby, okay? And the other, um, and the other mother was okay with the proposal of splitting the baby in half. And Solomon said, give the baby to the, to the, to the one who was, who who was crying for the baby and wanted the baby to remain whole and was even going to give her up because and, and, and here's the interesting thing about this story we really don't know if that was the real mother physically or not right but he he his interpretation was that she was the real mother because she she cared more for the child's life than the other person did right and so uh, it's it, it's it was a very interesting. Uh, uh, some people, you know, always talk about this interesting uh, theory of justice that Solomon uh, used, okay? But I love the story because uh, we really never know who the real mother is. But what Solomon is saying is the real mother is the one who values the child. Right? Uh, so this is what I want to kind of say to uh, for mothers out here today. Real mothers always... Uh, value what's best for the child, physical, spiritual, mentally. You know, you may not be, uh, and that's a, you know what, that's a theme in Hands Made, too. Oh, it's a wonderful theme in Hands Made about uh, the physical mother's birth mother. Oh, so there's a lot of wild things in it, but, you know, that's on the sidebar there. But, um, and uh, the thing about children is, and, and here's the one thing I'll say to women out here. I don't have any children, right? I'm in my late 40s. Let God do something, you know, miraculous. Who knows? <laughs> but uh, I don't uh, have any children. And, uh, you know, but I consider myself very motherly, very nurturing in some ways. You know, I'm a spiritual mom. You know what I'm saying? If I'm not a physical mother, you know, I don't know if I'll ever be that. Who knows? But, um uh, I, I I I can I can um, I can understand and there and there are a lot of women out here. You may not be a physical mother, but you may be a spiritual mother or adopted mother to a child, or uh, or or a mother. I, I, I consider Oprah a mother. Oprah is very motherly, even though Oprah is uh, not, doesn't have any children. She had one child who died in childbirth, right? Our dad, a little couple, few months after he was born, or something like that. But Oprah, even though she doesn't have a child, she very much mothers the world. She has a motherly energy towards the world. Even though I can disagree with Oprah's butt sometimes, and somebody like she don't agree with her. But Oprah is very uh, caring and nurturing, and she has that energy. She even has a. Uh, uh, 
people that she takes on in that mother role, right? You know what I'm saying? That she she's she has a very nurturing energy that I really believe that she's a spiritual mother, even if though she's not a physical mother, and she probably is a very spiritual mother to a lot of people, right? And so uh, that's why I want to encourage women today that, you know what I'm saying, you could be, uh, even if you're not a physical mom, you could be a spiritual mom to someone. You could be, uh, um, and, you know, I'm, I'm a spiritual, I have people I am a spiritual mom to, you know what I'm saying, and you can be a spiritual mom to um, uh you know, even if it, you know, in ways that even if you're not a physical mother. But what I liked about this story is that it told the values of real mother. That motherhood is about valuing a child and wanting what's the best for a child. Have has the child uh, grows up and 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 is and you lead the child in life. Okay, so I want to shout out today. I guess my it's a word is. Defining what real motherhood is, right? So I want to shout out to all the real mothers who every day make hard decisions. Even if you're not a physical mother, you're the, maybe you're raising a niece or a nephew to, uh, you know, where the mom is on drugs. I've heard a lot of situations like that where people are raising their nieces and nephews and and they're the only mother they got. You know what I'm saying? Or you are a grandma who is raising your grandbabies. You know what I'm saying? And maybe you didn't birth them. Maybe your daughter did or your son did, but you are the mother to them, okay? So shout out to you, too, because what you do is very hard. There's a lot to love, uh, uh, love something. How can I say this? Uh no, I don't think it takes a lot. I mean, it can take. It, it, it's it's very different to love something that isn't necessarily from you, right? I'm saying, you know what I'm saying? It's it's it's, it's very. And for those of you who are real mothers, and you're still holding it down in that way, you're still doing what's best for your children. You're still doing uh, the uh, the great. Uh, uh, great things for your child, you're leading your child in the right way and stuff like that. I really just want to say that, you know, I just want to encourage you guys today and help you to understand that real motherhood goes deeper than having a child, okay? Real motherhood is really loving and wanting to do always what's best for your children, okay, and nurturing them and giving them the wisdom and everything to make their own decisions as they get older, right? And there are a lot of women in the in society who are not mothers, but who are really mothers, right? And there are a lot of women who are physical mothers, but ain't mothers, <laughs> right? So I just want to say to shout out to Happy Mother's Day to the spiritual moms, Happy Mother's Day to the moms who are really holding it down and, and doing everything and doing everything that they can possibly to produce. Uh, a functioning, powerful human uh, in the future or moving towards into, into their future, okay? And I want you guys to remember this Bible verse about what real motherhood is, right? The mystery of this Bible verse to me is always that we don't know who the real mother is, but it is the values that the woman carries towards her child that spoke to Solomon that she was the real mother. Because she cared for her child beyond, she would even give up her child. Anything to give her child a chance to survive, 
she, and to and to live. She's like, hey, don't put the sword to this child. This child deserves to live. This child deserves a chance, and I'll give it to her instead of me taking it. Because mothers are very unselfish. Mothers aren't selfish, right? Mothers do something, but that is, it's a very when you're a real mom, you're you're unselfish with it, right? And so uh, she's like, hey, I'll give it to her. Just let the child live. Right, so very powerful. And you see, you know what? This, the great thing about this, you see this theme throughout the Bible. I mean, you see it again with Moses. I think you see it early, uh, earlier in the Bible with Moses, because Moses was uh, was given away by his real mother because of what was happening uh, throughout that uh, throughout of throughout Egypt when they were going around the pharaohs, they were going around killing the boy child, and so she sent her child off into the thing, and the child ends up with. Um, with the Pharaoh's sister, right? And the Pharaoh's sister raises the child as if it was her own. So she's very, even though she didn't have any children of her own, and she hires Moses' mother, I think, has her hand, like kind of like her hands made, right? So uh, Moses' mother got to be in the house, even though I don't think she really recognized it was Moses' mother. But she, she, she also loved the child and raised it as her own, right? So you see those constant themes throughout motherhood. It's very interesting, okay, about the definition of motherhood uh, spiritually, biblically, that happens throughout. So I just wanted to share that with you guys today. So that was my Mother's Day for uh, my It's a Word for Mother's Day. I hope y'all got what I'm saying out here in these streets, okay? Okay, my next one is, okay, something I was looking at this week, you know, because sometimes we as women, we can go through so much in our lives, right? We can make so many wild decisions, mistakes, and all kinds of things. And, you know, women just, we, we sometimes we go through very interesting uh, changes and evolutions throughout our lives, okay? And one of the things I was, I, I was like, oh, God, you know, I mean, you know, I, especially in this thing came up too in Handsmaid Tale I was watching a lot of things, my things this week are from Hands Made Pill. But, uh, but uh, there was this part where, uh, and I hope I'm not breaking, messing it up for any of you, but there's this part, the women are not allowed to read uh, uh, the Bible, which is weird, okay? And this is set in modern times, okay? It's set in modern times. The men are only allowed to read. And so the women come and petition the men and say, hey, we want to be allowed to read because our children, our daughters need to be able to read and everything like that. And the men literally kind of kind of shook them off, like laughed at them or whatever. Or what, it, it was just really crazy, okay? And these are women who are very intelligent in society, know how to read and stuff, but they're forbidden, right? So uh, I was just thinking to myself, you know, and a lot of the women, too, throughout that uh, handsmaid tale, some of the women were considered, um, like the reason some women became handsmaiden is because in their previous life they did something bad, like had an affair or... <laughs> were maybe uh, uh, gay or something like that. It was all kind of crazy reasons and stuff like that, right? But it got me to thinking about this theme about perfection, spirituality, and, you know, like how does God use us in the midst of our mistakes and our dramas and stuff like that, you know what I'm saying? And what I realized, I, I said I was thinking about this, I was like God often uses diverse women to do his bidding. I mean, really, I mean, and I'm only coming from the things of the Bible, okay? But you can take it and still use it for something else, okay? I'm, I'm using the, because uh, I like the things of the Bible, okay? But, 
I started thinking about like all the, the diverse women in throughout the Bible. Some of the diverse women and the first stories throughout the Bible uh, where women did the bidding of spirituality and God. And I was like, one of the things I understood, I started to understand, is that women, your roles, those their roles were not always smooth. God would use women whose roles were not always smooth, like. Um, the prostitute that helped the Israelites during the, uh, you know, uh, during uh, when the when the Israelites went over to spy the land, there was a prostitute named Rahab who helped them. So she she kind of hid them in her house to allow them to spy. Right? She was on the outside of society because she was a prostitute. Probably ran, I think she ran a prostitution house or something like that. Right? But Rahab ended up being a part of the lineage of Christ because of what she did for the Israelites. She was she was a kind spirit. She was a kind soul, even though she was a prostitute. Right? <laughs> right? And then also, so her role wasn't very easy. And I remember she asked them. She says, "Hey." Can you make sure that you protect my family if I let you do this, right? You know, and and in that she becomes one of the uh, one of the uh, uh, ancestors to uh, the Christ child, okay? And then there were uh, there were women who were unwanted, okay, who became wanted, right? So you have uh, the story of Ruth, who was a widow, you know, very young, right? And if you ever read the story of Ruth, it's a fascinating story. I love the story of Ruth, okay? And the story of Ruth kind of advocates that women maybe know more about men than men know about women. <laughs> I mean, in terms of, like, how to, because Ruth, Ruth's, uh, uh, Ruth's uh mother-in-law tells her how to get this next man. So, you know, it's, it's, it's very interesting in a society that that normally widows would not be accepted, but Ruth ends up getting Boaz, the story of Ruth and Boaz in the Bible. So it is, uh, so the wanted, uh, the unwanted uh, often become wanted and become major stories and major themes throughout the Bible, okay? So those, those are, there are women like that in the Bible. And then there are, the beautiful women, okay? You have women, the story of Esther, which is one of my favorite. I love the story of Esther. Esther is my, it's probably one of my favorite things, stories in the Bible, okay? Esther and then there's Sarah. A lot of people forget that Sarah was very beautiful. Sarah was very beautiful even in her older years, so much so she was beautiful, I think, in her, like, she was in her 50s or 60s, and when she was with, traveling with Moses, I forget the actual story how it went, but she was traveling with Moses, and Moses had to lie and say that she was his sister because he was to, for fear of getting into it because she was so beautiful. The men would flirt with her and things like that, even as an older woman, right? And so Sarah not only is the woman that had the baby real old, but Sarah was very beautiful. That was a theme in Sarah's story, okay, and the theme in Esther's story also, and it is how God used their beauty to move them into places that would uh, that he would do their bidding, okay? So God uses beautiful women, right? And then you have, uh, there were the powerful women, right, like Deborah, the story of Deborah, the judge in the Bible, who's the only one of the who's the only female judge in the Bible, right? Deborah, remember the story of Deborah was Deborah was a female judge and the men came to her and wanted them to ride to war with her. And Deborah said, if I go to war with you, even though she had already told them they would win, but Deborah said, if I go to the war with you, 
a woman will be given your will be given the credit for winning it, right? And so they agreed to it. So Deborah, and that's what happened, right? But Deborah was a very powerful figure, a very unusual figure. She was very masculine, right? You know, even though she was married, but Deborah was a very masculine figure in the days where women weren't so powerful. So guys, so weren't that you know weren't in weren't in those roles in society. But God uses powerful masculine-like women, also, right? And so, and then you also have the women who, uh, the women who, uh, who stick up for themselves. You have the women who went to, I think, was it Moses who wanted their inheritance? The, the women who want their inheritance when their uh, their father their fathers died or whatever. So you have those type of things. Uh, you also have the undeserving women, right? The woman who was wiping her, wiping Jesus's hair, you know, wiping Jesus's feet with her hair and everything, and everybody, she had put perfume on his feet. And the theme, she was known as a, or some people say as a prostitute. Some people think that, right? And so she was wiping, and people were saying, oh, Jesus, what are you doing? And he's like, she's preparing me for my burial. Leave her alone, right? A lot of people was looking down on her, but because she was undeserved, people looked at her as a prostitute, but she recognized Jesus as a Savior. So she was used to do the bidding, too, even though she was considered undeserving, right? Society was looking at her like, ooh, why would you let her touch you and all that stuff, right? And then there's the virtuous woman, the Proverbs 31 woman, right, who who goes that she's a businesswoman and she does um you know, she's she helps her family, and she's a great wife to her husband and stuff like that. If you ever read the things of Proverbs 31, God uses her as an example in the Bible. Then you have the community leaders, okay, like Phyllis. A lot of people don't talk about Phyllis. <laughs> but Phyllis was a woman in the Bible who was ahead of her time. When they would mention her, some people believe she was a, some people believe Phyllis was a disciple too or something or an apostle. Because they would mention Phyllis before her husband, her 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 husband a lot of times. So a lot of times, Phyllis was a very powerful woman and was in her in her days, and she was a community leader and spiritual leader of her time. Okay, so God uses that, and then He also uses servants like Mary and Martha. Mary and Martha have plenty of themes in the Bible. Mary and Martha are they their brother was Lazarus. Lazarus, who who was raised from the dead by Jesus, but Mary and Martha have seen stories of their own throughout the Bible, and often they are seen as very powerful servants that God used, okay, throughout in his things, okay? Then there were uh, thought leaders, like Queen of Sheba, the Queen of Sheba, right, who came to meet Solomon and everything like that. And you ever know the story of the Queen of Sheba? She was the Queen of Sheba was a, very, a political leader as well has a, uh, has a has a has a very uh, romanticized figure throughout history. But she also uh, came to meet Solomon to learn of Solomon to learn information from him and end up being having a relationship with uh, with Solomon and having a child with Solomon. So very interesting. Okay, so I'm taking, I'm coming to all these. Uh, these things were a very reason, a good reason, but there were they were also okay. They were also mothers. Remember Mary, the mother of Jesus. Mary was uh, Mary was very protective of Jesus, and she used and throughout you can see her things throughout the Bible. Even though she kind of understood who he was, she always took it into things. She was very also protective 
of who he was also. Rhett also understanding that she had to separate herself from him in his ministry later on, okay? Now, why did I tell you all those things of women in the Bible? Because I want you women to understand that no matter what your background is, no matter how messed up it is and how messed up things are, there is always a way for you to be used by God. There are always, you can always, uh, um, and then, and I didn't even name, it's even more women. Women are often used throughout spirit, in spiritual books, but especially, especially in the Bible, there are tons of things with women in the Bible, okay? So I just want to encourage you that, and they have very diverse backgrounds, and they often did God's bidding in the world, okay? So I wanted to encourage you, since we're on Mother's Day weekend, and we're on a female weekend, kind of what well, sorts of female empowerment weekend, I think, because I think mothers are empowering. But I want to encourage all women that no matter what your background is, no matter what you've been through, no matter what you've come out of, you can always be used, okay? You can always, it, it's not, you don't have such a bad thing on you that you can't be used, that you can't, that God, that the God didn't put you here for a purpose and, uh, and, and a reason in your life, okay? So I just wanted to encourage y'all with that, that there is, these women were, uh, through the mistakes, don't let anybody make you think that your mistakes disqualify you from being used for purpose, okay? You were put here for a reason, and I guarantee you even the hard things that you went through are part of your purpose, okay? All these women had diverse backgrounds, some good, some really, really bad, <laughs> but they all, and I didn't even talk about, uh, what did I miss? I missed the, uh, uh, what is it? it was some. It was the other one. Um, I didn't even for the thought leaders. I should have put there too the woman at the well. Oh my gosh, she's one of my favorites because she was challenging Jesus about religion. She was like, uh, "My fathers come to this mountain, but you know." And she was talking stuff to Jesus like they was talking religious talk back and forth. And then Jesus told her about her life. Said, "You've been married. You've been married five times, and you with a man right now that you ain't married to." <laughs> And she ends up going back and spreading to her village, kind of becoming a preacher of sorts, telling people that she met uh, what was supposed to be the uh, uh, the Messiah, right? So, but it was Jesus came to meet her specifically. He went off of his path to meet this woman who had been married five times, who liked the men. She liked the men. So Jesus knew she was going to get him some water. <laughs> <laughs> right, but the things were the thing was that he knew she was very intelligent and very smart, and that she could re- and spiritually she was very spiritually astute and could recognize uh, uh, somebody's who she she could recognize who he was and go back to her village and tell people, hey, the Messiah is here, right? Because she was a, even though she was in she was she was having all kind of relationships and messed with all kind of she. <laughs> Men, she understood spirituality, right? So it's, it's I, I wanted to use those things for y'all today and encourage you, with, no matter what you're going through, no matter what your background is, no matter what it is or whatever uh, you even going through in the midst of stuff right now, know that you have purpose, that you have, uh, God has a plan for your life, and don't ever, uh, don't ever think you're disqualified because of your background, okay? 
Don't ever think that. I mean, things happen. And I always get on people on here, too. I be saying, hey, when you, you mess up, it makes it harder, but that don't mean it's impossible, okay? So I just want to encourage y'all with that in this Mother's Day. That's my other, it's the word. I'm done. <laughs> Okay, I hope y'all encouraged. I hope y'all like it. All right, now it is going to be time when I get back for the news. When I get back, we're going to get to talking about, uh, God, what we got to talk about here in this news? Um, what Joe Biden do this week I want to talk about? <laughs> now we got to talk about the Chinese rocket uh, set to hit somewhere on Earth. Lord, I'm like, uh-uh, Father, please let it hit in the water somewhere, okay? <laughs> they don't know. They talk, the Chinese are my well. We think it'll pose very little harm to humans. They don't know where it's going to hit, though. But it's rolling at 18,000 miles per hour. Okay? That's not good. <laughs> right? And then, uh, will COVID-19 vaccine be like the flu shot? Some people are saying it will be, okay? And most vaccinated cities are seeing, uh, uh, this is the most vaccinated uh, nation, I think, in the world is seeing a spike in COVID-19 cases. All right, and we're talking about that, and we're going to talk about the Dr. Eon, what he said this week about Tamron Hall show, child. I believe him. I believe him. And we're going to talk about Dr. Umar coming for Kevin Samuels. That's interesting. <laughs> That's interesting as hell. Okay, so we're going to talk about that and a whole lot more on the CC show. But meanwhile, y'all, we're going to start off with some good music, one of my favorite jams, okay? I love this deal song. I never get tired of it. I think it's my favorite song. I say it's my favorite song of all times. It really is. I, I love this damn song. I don't know why. It takes me back to a certain time. I don't know. In my youth, and I used to love the videos. I'm a, I love it. I'm a visual person, too, so I like, like certain videos and how certain things look and everything. I just love the feel of this song, okay? It's just one of my, just one of my favorite songs, and it was by an obscure group that hardly had any hits afterwards. But here it is. It's self to serve this groove by the system. It's the CC show, and I'll be back in a moment, y'all.
So uh, this, so, so experts are tracking a large section of the Chinese rocket, which is due. Uh, this Lowry read the part that says, as the impact gets closer, calculations about the time and location of the debris reentry are more are likely to improve. Until then, estimates will continue to vary widely. Okay, according to the U.S. military, it is very difficult to predict where the rocket will land because it's thought to be making its descent in an uncontrolled way. Space Track, a website run by the 18th Space Control Squadron, a branch of the U.S. military that tracks space debris, said in a tweet on Friday that the rocket will re-enter around 11.13 p.m. Uh, UTC uh, or 7.13 p.m. ET, which is Eastern Standard Time, okay, or Central's Time, uh, on Saturday. According to coordinates given in the tweet, the rocket will fall over Turkmenistan, okay? These estimates will continue to vary widely, Space Track said, until it becomes clear when exactly the rocket will reach the atmosphere. On Thursday, it predicted the rocket will land in the middle of the Indian Ocean. That is because the rocket currently hurtling around the Earth on, on an orbit at about 18,000 miles per hour has it lowers towards the Earth to, at 0.3 miles per hour. Harvard astronomer Jonathan McDowell said in a tweet, that means if the estimates of when the rocket would reach the atmosphere are off by even a half an hour, the rocket could be almost on the other side of the Earth. Jesus. As of early Friday, the margin of error for space track estimate was at least 18 hours either away. Another body tracking of the rocket, the Aerospace Corporation, a not-for-profit company, that receives U.S. funding, predicted on Thursday that the rocket will re-enter the atmosphere on May 9th at 3.43 a.m. Okay, Central Standard, I think it's um, which is Sunday around 11.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, okay, uh, which that's UTC time. And then, which is Sunday, it could be 11.30 p.m. Eastern Time, okay. Uh, the rocket will hit the atmosphere anywhere along the yellow lines in the map above at the time, they say. So they have a little map showing so far, the only certainty is that the rocket will re-enter the atmosphere within a latitude of 41.5 degrees north and south of the equator, which covers an area as far as north as New York City, as far south as New Zealand. This is crazy. Okay. Uh, Chinese authorities plan to release information about the timing of the rocket's reentry in a timely manner, he said, according to the Associated Press. Um, listen, this, I don't know, uh, it says, but, um, common practice for these types of objects are to fall back to the Earth without reaching orbit, which makes it easier to predict where they will fall. So somebody fucked up. I don't know what, uh, but they're saying, but the, um, but the core module of Chinese rocket reached orbit and is now circling the Earth on a, Elliptical uh, pattern, which could show slowly being close, pulled closer and closer to the atmosphere. Interesting. Okay, so I hope no one gets hurt. Watch your head. <laughs> That's all I can tell you. They don't know where the hell is going to land. Okay, they thinking, they guessing. <laughs> I don't even know how. How did they not? Be, how are they putting other shit and they don't know how to track it? I mean, what the hell is going on around here? Like you don't know how to track, bring it back down where you supposed. This is a trip. Now, hopefully no one gets hurt, okay, because it is coming in at 18 miles per hour, 18,000 miles per hour. 
okay? Pfizer is getting ready to clean up, and so are a lot of the other ones. Now, interesting enough this week, Bill Gates, <laughs> which we'll talk about a little later on in the show, not for his interesting um, political thoughts. We'll talk about Bill Gates because his ass is going to get a divorce after 27 years, okay? That's some Scorpio shit. <laughs> Dark Scorpio shit. <laughs> okay, we'll talk about that. But right now we're going to talk about Bill Gates' vaccine thoughts, okay? For some reason, Bill doesn't want to share the vaccine. Uh, and I'm going to read this. I'm, I wasn't planning on talking about this with Bill today, but I'm going to talk about it. Uh, is it here on here? Do I have, can I find it? Listen to this, okay? Bill Gates believes COVID-19 vaccine tech technology should not be given to India, what he said and why he said it, okay? And this is according to MSN News, okay, uh, India Today. Tech bigwig and Microsoft founder Bill Gates attracted criticism after a recent interview which he expressed his reluctance in sharing COVID-19 vaccine technologies with developing countries like India. Even though Gates cites security issues and said it would be too expensive to share the vaccine patents with developing countries, several reports have highlighted the profit-making side of the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation in the face of the pandemic. In a recent interview, Gates was asked if it, could, it would be better to share intellectual, intellectual property rights on COVID-19 vaccines with developing countries, to which he replied by saying a straight no. I saw the interview. It was very <laughs> Bill is something. Bill, let me just say this. That, I don't know. As a Scorpio, if I was in that position, I'm going to tell you the truth, because I'm a Scorpio like Bill. Uh oh, y'all like, uh oh, Carlotta, what did you say? I might say no too. <clears throat> because if he's looking at it from a, a patented stand and power, you know, and stuff like that, yeah, but I, then again, the humanitarian side of me, because I have, which is the Virgo side of me, uh, we're probably, and I, I think that it's, it's kind of more powerful than the Scorpio. My Virgo is sometimes very much more powerful than the Scorpio. It would probably say, I want to help the world. You know what I'm saying? Because I don't like people seeing people suffering. And what if I, and then I think, of, what if I was in the position where we needed the vaccine? You know what I'm saying? You know, you, you get what I'm saying? So I, I can see both sides, even with crazy-ass Bill and, and crazy-ass Thanos. <laughs> but, you know, Bill probably said no. You know, there are rumors out here. If the rumors are true about Bill not liking overpopulation and stuff like that, shit, he probably wants some of y'all in India to pass out because he probably think y'all overpopulated. But I digress. In 2000, that's just my opinion. In 2015, Gates had warned the world of a pandemic in a TED talk. Remember that shit? He sure did. He, as a matter of fact, he was running kind of models of what it would look like. If a pandemic hit, see that makes me suspicious of motherfuckers when they do shit like that. Like you, you just happened to be running two years five. Yo, ass, but he is a Scorpio, so he got some psychic ability. You know, we intuitive like a mug, so we can be saying shit and it happens. <laughs> I mean, all water signs are okay. So, um, but he said that uh, the pandemic would take place in the next decade and it would kill over thirty million people in six months. 
similar to the 1918 pandemic that killed over 50 million people, okay? The world needs to prepare for pandemics in the same serious ways it prepares for wars, Gates says, during his TED Talk. What, what followed was conspiracy theories which suggested that it was Gates who introduced the virus in lab. And some even claim that Bill Gates has developed a vaccine that will control and even depopulate the world through a microchip. I don't, listen here. There is the light side of Scorpio, and there is the dark. I love being a Scorpio. I'll tell you that, okay? My Scorpion energy, I fuck freaking love, okay? And as the older I get, the more I'm tapping into being a Scorpio, okay? However, and I was a little young Scorpio, too. Don't get it twisted. <laughs> However, I do understand there's a very dark side to us. And if we if we give in to our dark nature, we can be developing microchips and shit like that. We can stand on our asses easily. Okay. <laughs> uh, it's not funny. I'm not laughing at that, but we can't. I'm not laughing at the thought that we Scorpios can be that kind of, you know. I mean, any sign can be that crazy, but Scorpios in particular, we have a, like, you know, a little lean towards me, like a little darkness here in here, Okay. So, yeah, I wouldn't doubt it if he was trying to do that. And he might think he's doing it for good. I call him Thanos because Thanos thought he was doing a good thing. You know, Thanos thought killing everybody else in Avengers was good. Thanos was a a depopulation guy. He thought it was too many people. He wanted to do it for the good of the world. (laughs) Oh, Lord. Anyway, it says uh, Gates, uh, Gates rubbish these theories, calling them stupid. Gates had noted that their foundation gets money to buy vaccines, and so it was necessary to speak about the dangers of the pandemic. Now Gates, in an interview, has said something that not only did not go down well with his critics, but also the general public. What Bill Gates said when he was asked if COVID-19 vaccine tech should be shared with developing countries. The thing that's, uh, that's, the thing that's holding back, things back in this case is not intellectual property. It's not like there's some idle vaccine factory with regulatory approval that makes magically safe vaccine, Gates was quoted as saying. Reports and critics see this as a selfish move, uh, noting that denying vaccine patents or formula to developing nations would make it possible for developing countries to inoculate people with cheaper vaccines, okay? Uh, Gates' justification for not sharing vaccine tech uh, technology with uh, developing countries. Gates justified his opinion of not sharing vaccine tech with developing countries by saying that it would not be feasible for a company to move vaccines to a developing nation. Mm, interesting here. Here he specified India, and that not all countries are concerned about moving the safety moving the safety of a vaccine. He claimed that even now, it's, what's interesting to me that he specified India because India, what's going on in India right now, India is having the hardest fucking time with COVID, okay? And India is an overpopulated motherfucker. I mean, you know, everybody's talking about the over, the big population in India, okay? They might be trying to kill your asses, okay? I'm not, I'm, that's just call out a theory one-on-one, okay? <laughs> uh, but, you know, who knows? Uh, he claimed that even uh, that even it, uh, uh, he specified India and that not all countries are concerned about moving the safety uh, uh, about moving the safety of a vaccine. He claimed that even if it happens, it is because of our grants and expertise. 
Gates said there's only so many vaccine factories in the world, and people are very serious about the safety of vaccines. Moving a vaccine, say, from Johnson & Johnson factory into a factory in India, it's novel. It's only because of our grants and expertise that can happen at all. Okay, India produced vaccines with the help of tech transfer between Serum Institute of India and Oxford's partner, the pharmaceutical giant uh, AstraZeneca, even before the clinical trials began in India last year. United Nations Secretary General Antonio Guterres held uh, India's vaccine experts as the best asset against the pandemic. The, this contradicts Gates' views on sharing tech uh, transfers with developing nations. The Indian government also supplied the vaccine to over 70 countries, okay? Um, they said reports have noted that Gates' comments highlight the profit-making aspect in the face of the pandemic. Critics have also noted how the tech bigwig tried to influence the ignorant audience with false claims, calling it vaccine racism. Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation has committed $300 million to fight COVID-19 and develop a vaccine, according to reports. According to reports, the foundation's found $40 million worth stake in CureVac alone has delivered profits in $10 million. Okay, a report from Australia Fair Trade and Investment Network notes that Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation is involved in the partnership between the University of Oxford and AstraZeneca prevented the vaccine from having an open distribution model. Very interesting. Okay, that that article and I read today is on uh, that I read today is on uh, MSN.com. I think I also put it up. I put, no, I put the the Russell Brand talking about it on his show, which I'm really liking his show, Russell Brand show on YouTube. I put that up for you guys if you want to know more about it. But that article is from India Today Tech. Okay, Bill is very interesting here. Okay. Bill is kind of having double seat there. I understand a, a slightly what he's saying, but then again, I don't. I, I think that you have to, when we're talking about life-saving things, where, where it's a, allegedly a pandemic's going on, I said allegedly. Yeah, the fuck I said allegedly. <laughs> uh, where a pandemic is going on, I think that you have to share uh, vaccines with, I think that's just a, that, that's something that you should just do because you don't the, the world, and I'd like to hear more of his thoughts. He had to give me more reasons why they don't want to share that patent and technology with people who really need it. And it can't be just for profit's sake, okay? So I'd really like to hear his thoughts on why he does not want to share, which is interesting to me because Bill has been pushing, you know, the fuck out of some vaccines, right? So it's interesting. I think he want to vaccinate the world with his crazy ass, Okay. So uh, very interesting, okay, very interesting thought there. I just wanted to share that one. I wasn't even planning on putting that one up, but. All right, Dr. Eon claims Tamron Hall's show this week doesn't feature black experts unless they're involved in a scandal. Okay, ooh, interesting, okay. The ta- and this is according to MadamNoray.com. It says the Tamron Hall show is seemingly being called out yet again. This time it's by Dr. Eon Smith. In an interview with the Karen Hunter Show, Smith accused a black-led daytime television show of refusing to book black experts unless they're trending for something negative in nature, okay? There are a lot of people who look like me who are equally educated, equally articulate, who are not getting a platform on major shows. 
And, you know, they won't bring on African-American or Latinx people. Yes, they do. They bring on Latinos. Black people don't understand. Black people love to say black, but let me stop. Let me integrate. Let me put this. Black people, I'm going to need you to advocate for yourself. And just you. They've, they've taught you the habit of saying black and brown people. But brown people, they're getting their stuff, okay? And they have a cool country to back them up. African-Americans, traditional native black Americans, you do not have a country to back you up, okay? You are here. This is your country, and your country, your own country be coming at, at you, right? The, the new thing is immigration is the new thing, okay, because of globalism. But that's a whole other thing, okay? Black people don't see it yet. Black people don't understand what's happening to them yet, okay? <laughs> Uh, we always find out too late. That's what we got to understand. The glo- globalism uh, is going to change the landscape a lot, and it's going to change. It's going to change what Black America change Black America too, in a lot of ways. And I know a lot of people like to say Zena. Uh, I'm being xenophobic, and I'm not. I'm not against other people. That's a, that's some bullshit. So don't try to say that. I'm just trying to say that black people, black American people, have to work hard to protect their lineage now more than ever. So it's not Latinos. You ain't got to speak about Latinos. Latinos are getting their shit. You got to speak about yourself, Doctor Eon, Doctor Eon. Okay. Uh, he says to talk about things like education or sociology or medicine or law. They only bring us on when we're an entertainer or an athlete or we do something salacious. There is a talk show with an African-American host and an African-American executive producer that has said to publish, do not pitch us your black clients, and we are not a black show. Pitch us your white clients. We don't want to be looked at as a black show, he said. They will bring on black experts when they do something salacious or they're in the headlines for doing something bad. Then they'll bring black people to talk about that, okay? Smith added that he found it necessary to call the show out because he would definitely be doing so if the if the hosts were white, okay? Which is facts, okay? Uh, and I'm, let me I'm gonna talk to y'all about what I think about this Tamara Hall, what Tamara Hall show anyway, okay? But um, it says uh, I'm putting this show on blast because when white shows and hosts don't let us on, we criticize them. But the same criticism has to be held on when a show is hemmed and hosted by black people that keeps us off the airwaves, and it's just not right, says Smith. Why he did not name Hall specifically, Hunter assumed that he was referencing the veteran television journalists because, well, there are but so many black hosts on daytime TV space right now. Is it a she? Was she formerly on cable and then she moved to NBC and then moved to her own show with her own name on it, asked Hunter before Smith finally smiled and nodded. Tamara Hall, you heard it, said Hunter. Uh, Hall has had an array of black experts on her show to discuss issues ranging from health in any in in equities to travel and entrepreneurship. Okay, listen, I'm going to tell you something about Tamara Hall, okay? Let me let me explain something, okay? And you can always tell when there's a push behind these people. You know, let me say this to the powers that be, okay? You're pushing people today that are like alpha, like Oprah was actually, let me explain this. Oprah was built for the talk show game, okay? It was easy to push Oprah. Because Oprah is a fucking great talk show host. Even if you don't like some of the shit she stands for, it's easy to push her ass. She is naturally gifted at that shit. But today the powers that be have this thing about pushing people down your throat that are actually not as good at certain things, but to make you think they're good at it. Because, I, you know, here's what I think. I think a lot of the today's celebrity world, not all of today's celebrity world, but today's, a lot of today's celebrity show world, from entertainers to rappers to talk show hosts and stuff like that, are um, 
literally push down people's throats because they, they the, some of them, and they're not as talented, is not as good because they can be controlled more easily. And so they take a person that they can control who's semi-good at something, and they say, okay, we're going to try to make her the Oprah. And people keep rejecting the shit and rejecting the shit, and they give them all kind of great guests and stuff like that. But they still, this is Tamron Howe, okay? i like, oh, Carlotta, whoa. Listen, Tamron Howe is not a good talk show host. She's stiff. She tries to be cool, and you can see her trying to be cool. What she is good at, though, is investigative reporting. She's great on morning shows, like good morning, like stuff like NBC morning shows, Good Morning America type shit like that. Tamron Hall, daytime, I, I feel such coldness when I watch Tamron Hall, no matter how down she tries to be. And so what, what's going on, Dr. Eon, is they're trying to probably Oprah her. Remember, Oprah hardly had any black people on so much either, okay, uh, especially the early years, okay, uh, because they want to they want Tamron to have a massive appeal, okay. Um, the, the thing is, Tamron's no Oprah. Shit, I said it. Damn it. Somebody got to tell the damn truth around here. She dresses great. That's all my grandma said about her. I like the way she dressed. Do you like her show? <laughs> but she got good gifts. Listen, Tamron Hall is just not that good of a talk show host. She don't have it. Y'all going to push her down our throats and make us think she do, Okay. But she doesn't. The best, I'm going to tell you the truth, who really does have it, but she's not, she's had, such, she's so opinionated and so tough that they can't, they can't, they ha, they're having a hard time opening her, and that's, that's, that's Wendy. Wendy does have it. Wendy's funny. Wendy's, Wendy's naturally a talk show host. She's a, a natural, but Wendy won't be pushed. There's a lot of reasons. I've already said that. She's, Wendy's going to be great. You know, Wendy's going to have a great show. She's going to survive. But Wendy, Wendy, Wendy's won't be the next, like, that Oprah thing because basically Wendy's not well-behaved, okay? <laughs> Tamron's well-behaved, but she's not that great for, for daytime talk. Daytime talk requires, like, like that Oprah-like energy or even kind of like a Wendy-like Wendy energy. Wendy's very different from Oprah, but Wendy's a lot, got a lot of Oprah-esque, meaning that Wendy is very much her own woman. Wendy is very, uh, 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 she says she's very different. She's very bold. She, changed, she changes the talk show game. It, it, it's like Jordan, okay, Michael Jordan in the NBA. It's hard to find. A lot of people came along and copied Michael Jordan, like the Kobe Bryant and the LeBron Jameses, but they, you know, they're in the shadow of Michael Jordan, okay, but then you have a Steph Curry who comes and revolutionizes the game. That's what Wendy Williams is, more like a revolutionizer, okay? So, and Oprah was a revolutionizer. Tamron Howell and them are copycats, okay? And, you know, I'm not, that doesn't surprise me because she's trying to go the Oprah route. And she's really, you're not as, you're, you can't get over on the Oprah route, Oprah route, Tamron, because you're no Oprah. Oprah was no you. Oprah wasn't good at news reporting and things like that. You are, though. You've got the voice for it. You've got the style for it and everything. You're just, like, I can see a Tamron, like, doing the nightly news or something. Damn. 
I know I'm hurting people's feelings. I mean, she got, she's nice, but she just don't. The talk show host game requires kind of no, nurturing, deep nurturing skills. Or, like, or either uh, or where women can sit across from the table. Like, Wendy has that girl gossip girl thing. Like, yeah, you can see, like, you can see yourself on the Wendy girl. Yeah, honey, blah, blah, blah. You can't see that with Tamron. Tamron's so, like, she's, I mean, she's just stiff because she's been taught to be a reporter. And I said this shit, and this is what these people are doing. They 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 trying to open her up. They've been doing this with Tamron for the last. They were doing this. They were trying to hype Tamron's talk show before it even came on. Remember, they've been hyping her for it was hype being hyped this talk show for two to three years before because they were trying to open her, and it's not working. It's not fucking working. Damn it! Powers that be, let it go. She's not going to work. That Dr. Yan, I believe you. I don't care. I mean, I believe you. They trying to open her ass. No, Tamara, you have really great guests, and it helps to get you over. But you're not Oprah. <sighs> oh God, y'all think I'm y'all like Carlotta? Why you gotta be so mean? Like really? You got to do Tamara like that? I like Tamara, huh? I do. I like her. I'm telling her the truth. You like somebody? You sometimes you lie, but sometimes you tell the truth. Especially when it's going to help them, because that is that that what she's doing has already been done. What Tamara's doing, there's a ton of talk show hosts out there doing it. I mean, you even got that singing girl over there. What's the girl? And I like her better than that do Tamron House. She ain't a stiff, but I don't even watch her. What's the girl? Um, the singing girl. What's the girl's name? Dang, was on American Idol. I don't forgot her name. The little girl that was on American Idol. She even got a damn talk show. I mean, come on now. And they all trying to be little Oprahs. But what's, the, what's great about Wendy is Wendy's a revolutionizer. She's not a little Oprah. Kelly, Kelly, yeah, uh, Kelly Clarkson. Kelly fucking Clarkson, yes. Okay, sings before every fucking show. I'm like, we do not need you to sing before every fucking show. I know you can sing, Kelly. Sit your ass down. <laughs> all trying to be little Oprah. All of them, all of them. Now, what you do is you borrow from Oprah, but you revolutionize a game like a Wendy. That's who's going to be the next Oprah. Like a Wendy. The only thing, the reason Wendy is not that, because Wendy is a radical. Like Wendy's on TV going, I ain't getting the vaccine. <laughs> and Wendy's had marital problems that have affected her career. Right, and Wendy also has had issues because before when she was on radio, she was so bold and she was out. She was doing kind of her radio days. She was really bad, okay. But she's really changed. But people still mad at her from the radio days, right? But Wendy is like she, you know, Wendy's a revolutionary type of chick, like in terms of the talk show game. And she, and and it's hard to it's been, it, that's what hurt Wendy. Wendy's marriage hurt her, which I said years ago when Wendy came on. I did say this. I think I got there's an archive show where I said what's going to hurt Wendy Williams is her husband because she had already been hurting her in radio. Alleg- you know, allegedly there was some sexual harassment shoot suits and stuff like that. You can already see the writing on the wall. Hey, even though Kevin was a good manager in terms of keeping her away from celebrities, still like keeping her from being friends with celebrities, at the same time he was it also was isolating for her. And look, and people didn't want to deal with them because of him. Like because you know, 
it may be a little power tripping allegedly, okay? But Wendy really has the stuff to be the, uh, that that Oprah type of figure, but she can't because she's, you know, there's a lot of things going on there, okay? I got, that's why I love when she was talking to Jocelyn and she started throwing flowers at her time. <laughs> I don't get my flowers. <laughs> but very interested, okay? So Tamara and Hall, they are trying to make her that. That's probably why they are going for right advertising because that's what they did with Oprah. They did, they did, Oprah had that ancient mama, um, uh, have ancient mama, you know, the comforting uh, black woman to white woman kind of vibe, and she had the also black therapist side, right, you know, and spiritual side, right? So they was able to sell that shit off like pancakes. Oprah revolution when Oprah came on, she revolutionized the talk show fucking game. She was nobody like her on TV. She started crying when you told stories. Oh, my God. I feel that way too. Oprah, you ain't never seen no shit like Oprah. <laughs> Oprah was Oprah was dope in the game for what it was. She was selling shit all over the place. <laughs> Books, <laughs> movies. Anybody show up on Oprah was getting sold. Okay, Oprah was. Uh, more, that's why I said Oprah should have as much money as Bill Gates and uh, 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 all them people because Oprah was such a revolutionary moment in the talk show game. That tells you that racism very much still exists because the power Oprah's marketing skills was more powerful than any of those men during her t- at her time as at ABC on ABC. You, she could announce one book and then the next day it would be sold out. That's how fucking crazy it was for Oprah, them white people, them white women was about Oprah. She could do it because she was, a, she had that natural fucking motherly skill set that, Tamara, you don't fucking got. Now, you might have it with your own child and your personal thing, but you don't come across on the talk show. Like, Oprah, you watch old, Oprah, Oprah wasn't good at what Tamron was good at. Tamron is good at it, like I said, more newscasting stuff. Oprah wasn't good at that. She, that's why they, that's why she, she, because she, cause she She's not a talk, Oprah's not a newscaster. She said she would go to the, the uh, like, to report on a fire in the field, and she'd start crying and trying to help the people while she was interviewing. <laughs> right? So that already told you where she was going, right? So they used that nurturing, motherly, ancient mama, spiritual-like energy, and they put that shit on fleek, okay? With the kids still using fleek or on, on, on mega watch. Stuff and put her out there, and Oprah, she 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 scooted Donahue's smart show right out of his seat. Because remember, Donahue was smart. My grandma used to make me watch Donahue all the time because he used to have a really smart show. Remember, Donahue would talk political stuff and everything like that. Oprah's ass came a long time out. I don't. I mean, when, <laughs> you were molested at ten. Like, or let's feel what you. Who are you really meant to be? <laughs> Right, she was very spiritual, right? And then she's also uh, her favorite celebrities, her favorite things. I mean, I mean, Jesus, she's so spirituality, okay? (laughs) Cameron, you are not that. You don't have it. (laughs) Sorry. Now maybe now she might get it after this. Maybe she got to work real hard. But I think it's something inside that makes a great talk show host, and that is not hers. That's just not what it's not. I said it, but I see it. (laughs) 
Oh, Lord, I'm making people mad today. Okay, most vaccinated, uh, uh, this is going to be, uh, before I go to break, and I'm going to uh, give you all this story because I want to give you all this story right here. Um, let's see here. The most vaccinated city, is that the one? Okay, I don't even have, how's the sea chilies? Sea chilies setback, most vaccinated, see, I don't know if I'm saying their name right, sea chilies. See, Chili's most vaccinated country tightens restrictions as coronavirus cases surge. This is according to Microsoft, MSN News uh, via Points, the Points guy. It says, um, it says, despite its current record as a nation with the highest percentage of fully vaccinated residents, Sea Chili's has temporarily placed limits on social gatherings following a spike in the number of coronavirus cases in the, on the island, okay? As of May 3rd, there were 1,068 active cases among the island's roughly 99,000 residents, prompting the government health ministry to release, that's a very small amount, release a list of restrictions that will be in place through May 21st. The mandates closed close schools, prohibit mixing of households, being parties, only for 1,000 out of 99,000, that's interesting. Weddings and open other gatherings of more than four people, including outdoors. Cancel in-person meetings, conference, and sporting events, and require shops, bars, and casinos to close at seven. That's interesting. Okay, uh, put this back here. Now they doing all that for a thousand people because they had a thousand people outbreak. That's interesting. Uh, at the time of the publication, the U.S. Department, uh, the U.S. Department of State has shit chilies listed under a level four do not travel warning. The Centers for Disease Control Prevention has issued a level failed travel health notice for chilies due to COVID-19, indicating a very high level of COVID-19 in the country, okay, but not saying much considering most countries were given the same designation in April. For its part, chilies has imposed restrictions, okay. Um, let's see this. Well, hold on. This is interesting because they vaccinated Okay, more than 60% of Chile's residents have received two vaccine doses, but questions remain about Sinopharm, a Chinese vaccine brand that has, um, has uh, as of mid-April, has been administered up to 59% of recipients, Bloomberg reports. Although the World Health Organization believes in Sinopharm's efficiency, efficacy, uh, there are concerns about data related to its side effects. Another brand commonly used in Chili's is India-made Covishield, a version of the AstraZeneca shot, which is thought to be less effective than some other vaccines against newer strains of SARS-CoV-2, the South African variant, which was found in Chili's in February. Of the people with active cases, more than a third are fully vaccinated, but it's currently unclear which inoculation was received by the majority of people on islands. Okay, listen, let me tell you all something. This is why I said y'all got to understand that's why I said, wait, it's not that I'm not against vaccines. What I say, and this is, these are very different vaccine makers than we have in the United States. But what I'm telling you is these, what I'm saying is they're running fucking experiments right now, okay? They're trying to see if it's going to work. That's why they're telling you to wear your fucking mask and stuff, even if you fully vaccinated. <laughs> and they're scared of other people who ain't vaccinated. Because if you if you have you been fully like who would why would you care about if if you fully vaccinated why would you care about other people being not whether they not are vaccinated or not because it can potentially the vaccination is probably not a hundred percent and they're probably not sure of it even being eighty percent really 
They just trying to fucking see. <laughs> I mean, they done did trials. Now y'all the big trial. <laughs> oh. I'm not trying to tell people flu. The flu shot got better over the years. Okay, the first batch of flu shots. Remember that shit? That shit was that shit was messed up. People can't remember. It was a lot of people who see people out here walking, walking funny, walking backwards and shit. It was all kind of shit happening with that flu shot when it first started. And then over the years. The flu vaccine became better and better and better, okay? All I'm just saying <laughs> is understand what it is, okay? Vaccines, just because you done got fully vaccinated, I'm just telling you out in these streets, you don't know what the fuck they doing. You don't know what is going on out in these streets. I mean, don't be trying to be mad at people who decide not to, okay, because they, like, they going to wake that shit out, <laughs> okay? Because we see over here at Chili's, it, they having to close down without when sixty percent of the population mostly vaccinated. Now, when does herd immunity come in? You know, they keep pushing the change in the bar for herd immunity too, which is making me real suspicious. I mean, you know, first it's sixty percent. No, it's seventy. No, it's ninety nine point two percent. Oh, I'm a conspiracy theorist at heart. I believe they up to some shit, okay? Yeah, and I and I really believe this is a. I mean, you know, we got so many things going on in this this with this with with that's behind COVID nineteen, and I suspect that we won't know the real damage of COVID nineteen, which I suspect is far less than we think. We won't know it until probably ten to fifteen, maybe ten to twenty years down the line. Because a lot of COVID-19, in my personal opinion, happened during an election cycle in a very important country like the United States. Um, there was a there's a lot of things that I mean, the same year we didn't hear much about flu, like we used to always hear about flu. Flu cases was down, COVID was up. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, I mean there's a lot of questions around it. This vaccine, it's just like even with Spanish flu. Years later, they would find out that people died of secondary causes more quickly than the Spanish flu. It's very interesting. So I think I think that we're in the middle of political season. It's very hard to decipher uh, what's truth, what's fact, what's fiction, and especially the press because all, even the press now has agendas on all the channels. So it's very hard. You have to kind of keep reading different things to kind of get your own take on what is going on because this, we live in a very deceptive time at my, right now, in my opinion. Okay, so very interested on that one, okay? All right, you guys, when I get back, we're going to go into more news here. Uh, let's see, we got to talk about Biden and for Liz Cheney all of a sudden. <laughs> Dr. Umar coming for Cam, Kevin Samuels up in here. Uh, Lakeith Stanfield has to issue an apology about anti-Semitism because he has some clubhouse thing. I'm going to talk about that, another anti-Semitic apology. Then we're going to talk about Bill and Melinda Gates out here divorcing after 27 years and how Bill was allowed to hang out with his girlfriend one weekend, I mean his ex-girlfriend, one weekend. What is it, one weekend a year? That's some rich man shit. <laughs> He could never without the he could never without the billions. <laughs> a hot mess, okay? We'll talk about that and a whole lot more when I get back. Meanwhile, you guys, here's one of my favorite joints. I love this song, No Plans for Love. Neo, uh I mean, uh, it's from um D Nice, Neo and uh Kent Kent, I forget the guy's last name, okay? 
I'll be back in a moment, y'all. <laughs> Get up for me, me, me. 
and Haley. I love that one. It's the CC Show. I am back up in these streets, okay, you guys? And so we are on the news and hot topics of the week. Okay, tomorrow night on CNN, I think they're doing Marvin Gaye, What's Going On, an Anthem for the Ages. Shit, okay. May the 8th, what's like, is, is, it, is, it, is it today? Is it tonight? Is it tonight or is it tomorrow? Fuck, I don't know. What is it? Where is this film being? No, it's Sunday. So it's tomorrow, the ninth. Is tonight? The ninth? <laughs> the ninth at, uh, um, what is it, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, and they're going to talk about what's going on, I guess, uh, the anthem for the ages. I've talked about this before. I feel like I feel like I had, remember I had this discussion about why Marvin Gaye shit was so good compared to, you know, like these other new kids that be trying to write, you know, these little anthems and stuff like that. And I talked about just him coming up in the time, the time he came up in, you know, it was a more connection to black America during that time and stuff like that. Um, a different time and everything. It'd be interesting to hear what people are going to say. I think I saw Spike Lee on there. Uh, who else did they have? They had a couple of other people. Maxwell's going to be on there. Quick thing I need to know. Maxwell looked like he was going to say something. I don't know. He looked like he was like, like, oh, my God, how can I explain this? <laughs> but, yeah, it should be interesting, okay, to see uh, what they have to say about Marvin Gaye, what's going on, okay? Hmm. Okay. Interesting. All right, you guys. Also, uh, let's see. Let's get back. What are we going to talk about? You know, Biden out here in these streets. I got to talk about this. I forgot to talk about it. Faces a struggle to hold the Senate. <laughs> it's almost over. Huh? Biden is scared. Boy, Biden is scared. You better give out some more stimulus checks out of these streets. <laughs> According to the Washington Post in Pennsylvania, a black gay Senate candidate is already lashing out at his white Democratic primary rival, calling him on him to apologize for once brandishing a shotgun to detain an unarmed black jogger, okay? In North Carolina, a barrier-breaking black woman is rallying support from activists angry that the Democratic leaders last time anointed a white male candidate whose campaign ended up imploding. One of her top primary rivals, though, is again a white man who is promising to talk to everyone, rural, urban, red, blue. As Democrats survey the upcoming fight to keep their narrow Senate majority, they face similar challenges in an array of states. The factions that set aside their differences to deliver the Democratic control of Washington are redividing along racial and gender and generational lines. We are going to see a lot of disruption in 2022, predicted Donald Brazil, veteran Democratic strategist and former party chair. The party is growing and it has growing pains. This could be a problem. I don't believe the party's going. I don't believe that. I believe that you guys have been, uh, the Democrat, the Democratic Party is now the party of choice. Like the Republican Party was once the party of choice for uh, big business, tech giants, and everything, okay? And uh, now they are using you to get uh, their things across. You know, politics used to be so that politics were very powerful and um, politicians were very ha- powerful in uh, getting and keeping uh, big business and things like that in check. You know, and, and one can question if they were. I think there was a time where politicians had more power, but today because the people, the American people, have let their politicians run amok and they keep putting them back in the game, um, big tech is taking over and, and big business is taking over politicians. See, if you – see. Most of America doesn't understand that politicians are, you always have to think of them as grimy snakes 
You can never think of them as your friends. This is the black community's biggest problem. They're not your friends. They are. They are. They will go whatever gets them the vote. That's how you got to think of them. Even if there's one that say they not like that and really nice and sweet, you always got to understand that uh, political, the political atmosphere, the political uh, uh, place, uh, a space is a place of uh, of exchanging of not only ideas but it is exchanging. Of, of of why you want me to vote for you, and I don't give you something for nothing, okay? Um, and uh, black people, we have allowed to get them to give us something. We never understood the political game. We thought it was about, because black people has been a group that has been severely abused in America. So black Americans look at who, we kind of got low self-esteem because we, we are the abusive child in America. So we try to look for people who like us. Well, fuck that. You can't look for nobody who like you. Politics is in the game to, that for people who like. You, gotta, you, you, you have to understand that you control the politicians. You as the people. And you can't, whether they black, pink, purple, green, red, black caucus or not, you got to always keep them in check or also let them know we will kick your asses out of there. Okay? And so when the politician understands that, they understand they do that it's bidding for the people and not for their personal pocketbooks, which big business and tech and stuff can give them the money. But when you keep them in check by saying, I will vote your ass out, then the, and you make, and you raise a rocket even when in societies when they can't falsify votes and stuff like that, you still raise a rocket. You stay engaged in the political process. Then uh, they will. The, the politicians will get back on where where they know. They say, "Hey, the people paying attention. You I mean, can't fuck with that like that." You know, they they come up here and they'll do another. Uh, they'll be climbing the Capitol building again. Shit, we don't want that. Okay? But not. But that's. But they know they're not dealing with that. They're dealing with an American public that is disengaged from politics, disengaged disengaged from the political process that are that is a a, a, a society full of anxiety, fear. Uh, all kinds of things. <laughs> and so they know, politicians know they can now get away with the most big business as their partner, okay? Uh, but it says, this could be a problem for President Biden with Republicans making a strong play to retake the House. The Senate can hold the balance of power in Washington after 2022, making it, a, making it critical to the rest of his term. But the White House in different difference to the sensitivity of the party divisions is taking a hands-off approach to the primaries for now, even while watching intently. Historically, President Biden has rarely endorsed, uh, uh, rarely endorsed in Democratic priorities, said White House Deputy Chief of Staff General Malley Dillon. Biden's point of person for the midterms. That's also the practice of most presidents have had, and it's safe bet that it will continue, okay? Um, listen, these people are going to continue to do, I don't even, no matter what political party it is, okay, until the people become engaged, you're going to have both of these parties run amok, okay? And it's, it's unfortunate, but it is what it is. I, I saw a tweet the other day that I loved. Somebody said, I don't know what's worse, black Democrats or white Republicans. <laughs> I love that because both are extreme sometimes, right? So it was, it was, it was, it, it, it is, uh, you has the all I can say is as the American people, you have to stay engaged with politics. You have to stay engaged with what you want because these politicians are grimy, no matter what they are. You got to think of them like that. You have to think of them not as your friends, but as uh, the chess pieces on a chessboard that you move around. 
<laughs> and when the American people understand that shit, that's when you will uh, get the game of politics, and you can probably gain back some control of your society. But until then, you ain't, we ain't going to have no control. And Biden probably will lose it in 2022, lose that, uh, lose the Senate, unless they cheat again. <laughs> Allegedly in these streets. <laughs> Woo, I'll be talking shit on this show. This show is crazy. <laughs> okay, uh, what else is this dude? Uh this is I talk about President Biden taking up for Liz Cheney. Like he's talking about he he he's going. He said Biden says the GOP is going through a mini revolution. Has a party moved moves to ask Liz Cheney? Listen, the party all went already went through a mini revolution. Okay, it went through a mini revolution after George fucking W. Bush. And I keep trying to tell people this. Okay, George W. Bush was a neoconservative. Okay, the party had been taking Dick Cheney. Dick Cheney was a real president in my damn opinion. But Dick Cheney's ass was running, you know, real, real hardcore heart Republicans are against big government. They're against a lot of spending. You know, they're the heart of their 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 old party. Okay, neoconservatives were something different. Okay, moderate uh, Republicans were, uh, you know, which is what I call the era of George Bush, his father. I don't know if Ronald could be considered a neocon. Ronald, slightly, okay? But he still had to play to the old Republican Party a little bit, okay? Ronald Reagan. But when we talk about, uh, we talk about that, where I see the theme of neoconservatism coming in, especially, particularly under George W. Bush. Neoconservatives, what do we know they like? And his daddy, okay? They love wars. They fucking love wars, okay? Even if they got to start a false one. <laughs> they, uh, uh, they, they, they're, they're not, uh, they're not interested in the fucking rules internationally. Remember, uh, they were waterboarding and shit on the George W. That was the most, let me tell you something. Y'all talking about Donald Trump. She. George W. Bush had the most gangster, gangster, gangster fucking uh, 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 administration that ever fucking was, okay? George W. Bush, he had that, and that's because of Dick Cheney, okay? Dick Cheney is about that life, okay? Liz Cheney's daddy, okay? So the neocons, so Democrats, I mean, Republicans were disillusioned after the neocons came through and was big spending. They was big spending. George W. was a big spender. All the shit they 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 was fucking disillusioned, and then I mean the party was so fucked up. I mean, the, and already there had been talk show springing up, like Alex Jones show. People often discount the Alex Jones, but Alex Jones, that Tea Party rising up was partly a little bit of Alex Jones, Ron Paul type of people, Ron Paul type of party thing started. The radical part of the right started to come back. You know that. Um, semi-Lincoln type uh, uh, Tea Party type uh, <laughs> Republican started to come back and say, fuck that, we can't have these neocons, neocons out here spending money, starting fucking wars, and this is this is what's getting this uh, Barack Obama elected right the fuck now. Barack Obama gets elected. He's not that much different from George W. Bush. Please look at the politics. That's why they fool right now. Uh, and, but on a, on a certain scale, he is a little different. Right, and uh, and it frustrates real Republicans even more. So during this time, the Tea Party is rising up during the years of Barack Obama, where people say they felt more racial stuff was coming up. I always said it was there. Okay, 
then you have the election uh, Donald because because of Barack's far left but somewhat uh, similar politics to George W. Bush. I mean, by that time, the Republican Party had already had its revolution. The Republicans' revolution was Donald Trump. Donald fucking Trump was his revolution, much like uh, the, 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 the Ronald Reagan was the revolution. Because remember, Ronald Reagan was a fucking TV guy, too, a movie guy. And here's, uh, here's Donald Trump, another TV guy businessman, okay, coming to revolutionize the party. He was their revolution, okay? Liz Cheney them had to go with the fucking flow because they are neoconservatives. They couldn't do nothing about that big storm that was coming, but sit down and shut the fuck up if they wanted to survive, right? So now they under Trump, because neocons was mad because they wanted Trump to start some fucking war, spend some more money and all that. Now, he was spending, he ain't that good. He wasn't that good, but he, he, they wanted him to do what the old group but Donald Trump wasn't for that. He's like, nah, I mean, I ain't done. Donald Trump was was a, a nationalist at heart, okay? And he was like, to the neocons, fuck your globalism. That's how the fuck we got in these first problems right now, okay? So the neocons rose up with the Democrats to try to regain some power in their own party. But they fucked themselves because their party is still out here, still that revolutionized populist party, Okay. So Liz is getting ready to get ousted because they Republicans, the loss of Donald Trump made them even more mad because Republicans like Liz Cheney were against Donald Trump. And not because Donald Trump is fucking crazy, but because the neocons was mad because Donald Trump wasn't going with neoconservative ideas. He wasn't down with the George W. Bush shit, okay? So, uh... <laughs> So now this is what we have. You have now you got Joe Biden kind of coming in saying nice things about Liz Cheney. What the fuck is going on around this joint? <laughs> because they they partners trying to get the rat of this radical uh, uh, right group out, out of the Senate. Which you know, listen, both of them can be right and wrong. Okay, but it says President Joe Biden said on Wednesday that he thinks the Republican Party is going through a sorted minimum revolution. Uh, Dick, I mean, not Dick. Uh, what's your name? What's the name? Joe, uh, Sleepy Joe, wake your ass up. They already went to, okay? <laughs> Amid the push of the by GOP members, they just ousted the, the people who was hiding. <laughs> uh, GOP members to oust uh, Liz Cheney from her leadership position. It seems as though, and that's Liz Cheney's getting paid back because she fucking stood up against Donald Trump, okay? They, they, found, they see her ass now. They say, oh, you still here, huh? <laughs> it seems as though the Republican Party is trying to identify what it stands for, and they're in the midst of significant sort of mini revolution. Biden said in response to a question on CNN's Cation uh, Collins during a White House uh, event. I think Republicans are further away from trying to figure out who they are and what they stand for than I thought they would be at this point. Listen, Republicans are not trying to fucking stand. The Republicans is one of the most, listen, them old, them old uh, school conservatives, they've been one of the most strongest groups, okay? Neocons was a fucking, they was fucking beast. But neocons, the problem was that they, they turned against their own party. They should have remained hidden for a little longer. They came out too soon against Donald Trump. Okay, so here's the thing. The party, the party that's going through a mini revolution, Joe, is your party. I mean, y'all don't know what the fuck y'all is. I don't know if y'all gonna be real, real left. Are y'all gonna be uh, semi-left with the neocons? Y'all don't know what the fuck. Y'all don't know if y'all gonna be AOC. Y'all don't know if y'all gonna be fucking. Uh, what's that girl's name? What's the, what's the, what's 
up. What's shit? What's the head of the party? What's her name? Nancy Pelosi. Y'all don't know the fuck y'all are no more. Y'all don't know you. You know y'all old boy deepsy crats. Y'all don't, y'all the ones going through the fucking. Uh, it ain't even a mini revolution. Y'all just going through an identity crisis. Uh, the Republicans know very the fuck of what's what's going on. Okay, this, this is this is what they're doing is they're kicking out the uh, fucking. Uh, 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 see, the Republicans do this. This is the difference between the Republicans and the Democrats. Why well, I call the Democrats punks, okay? The Democrats will let all they brewing shit say. The Republicans don't fuck around like that. They like, bitch, we see you. You turned against uh, Donald Trump with, uh, with us. We're going to try our best to keep you the fuck out. Now, the problem going on right now is that corporations and big businesses behind Liz are for Liz Cheney, and her daddy is one of the most gangsters of the gangsters. Uh, 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 neocons that ever was, okay? So it ain't gonna be easy to fuck Liz Cheney up in that joint, okay? <laughs> See, Donald Trump didn't understand the game either, because Donald Trump didn't understand the neocons still didn't like him. And what Donald Trump should have did was release, he should have, that's why he should have released Snowden and, 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 uh, what's that boy's name? The other man, uh, the one who runs WikiLeaks out on their ass. Because they would have been wreaking havoc right now. But because you didn't do that, you in danger of the neocons coming back, Joe. I mean, Donald. It's a very interesting political landscape we're seeing. And I suspect it's going to get even more interesting in the coming years, okay? It's going to be interesting what we see. But this is just my take on it. I don't think the Republicans are going through a mini-revolution at all. I think they've already went through a mini-revolution. And Liz Cheney and them were like prisoners that had to, if they wanted to remain in their key positions, they had to play along with Donald Trump. Problem is, when they thought they had a coup of Donald Trump, they came out too soon. They let the Democrats convince them, hey, if you want to get your party back, now's the time to speak. And they spoke too soon, not realizing that, you know, they have a very strong base. You know, they base pays a lot of attention. The Democrats got a base that's kind of all over the place, but the the, Demo- the Republicans pay the fuck attention. So you, so, so she now, she's finding herself in straight up danger, okay? So they need the, they do need to, and Donald Trump is very much still standing at the head of that party. So even though the techno tech that the, even though the technology oligarchs and everything are trying to move them out because but they having a hard fucking time right so uh, that you know Liz better hope for the best and hope big business can stay behind her ass and hope that they can the neocons will live to that see the neocons don't have a charismatic that they can rise up like a Donald Trump it's hard when you don't got a charismatic. You know, so they, they, and Joe, you're like, well, Joe Biden's not a charismatic. Yeah, but the, the tech, technology and big business helps them to win that, 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 his, that's why Joe was able to hide and everything because what happened is big business and the tech world came into, came, came and pushed their power onto the media. They shut down Donald Trump. They did a lot of shit. COVID-19 was a blessing in disguise for them, for them companies who wanted Donald Trump's nationalist ass out of here. I mean, you guys got to look at politics in a very big globalist way, okay? It is not just what you see on the landscape. This is is going somewhere else, okay? So, um, yeah, very interesting now that, you know, you see see, uh, his take on uh, and his ideas about, 
what Liz Cheney uh, and the Democratic Party is going through. Very interesting, okay? All right, okay, so Melinda Gates, okay, and Bill Gates announced that they were getting divorced, child, after how long? 27 fucking years, man. Listen, after 27 fucking years, I'm like, you know what you get? I'm like Jada and Will. Jada and Will, like bad marriage for life? <laughs> I'm like, you know, you get your girlfriend, I get my boyfriend. We be over here in several hours, but I ain't giving up the deal. You know I ain't giving up these 50 billion. You know I ain't giving up this this 200 billion, right? You know I ain't going over here. Fuck that. Me and my man to be over on this side of the court, court, you and your girl, but we ain't going nowhere. This is this stays together. <laughs> I loved I heard Doctor Umar on uh, uh, on uh, on the Breakfast Club last week, and he said, "You don't never hear people when they get divorced asking for half they love back." Because he was arguing that marriage is just a, is about economics more. I think marriage is about both love and economics, but economics can definitely fuck shit up, okay? Economics will get your ass dumped, okay? Economics is a, 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 a real-ass uh, thing, he said, you know, <laughs> about marriage. It, it, it's part, of, and it's something that all married couples should talk about and think about before you fucking get married, because economics can ruin your shit, okay? Because economics is real. You, you marry just as much for the love as the money. Are your potential to earn? Smart woman does. A smart woman sees a man's potential in his fullness. Okay, I, I'm telling you, ladies, that really seriously, ladies. You see a man in his not. You don't just like, now. Now I don't. I don't believe in just marrying for money. Either. That's that's bullshit. You know. I don't know. I might marry Bill Gates' ass. <laughs> I might marry Thanos. <laughs> no, listen, no. I don't believe in just marrying for money, but I do believe money is a significant factor in consideration of a relationship that is going to be long-term and that you are going to come together in partnership. Money, things that are not, that is more, that is just as important in love, they have, well, not as, love is about, I say, 55 to 60, 60% of marriage, okay? The other uh, 45% or 40% of marriage is definitely understanding purpose, economics, and all that shit. Because, and that's very important. And that 40% can be turned into 60. Maybe I'd turn it around, too. I might say 40% love and 60% all the other shit. Because love don't always conquer all. <laughs> okay? Because, I mean... Ain't nothing like, you know, like, hey, the light's going off and shit to take turn off the look. Let's be real out and shit. So I, I, I think that, that, you know, there has to be an understanding that marriage is, that marriage is just as much economic and, and, and not only economic, but purpose-driven. Purpose-driven, economics, and love. It's great if you can find it all, okay? You know what I'm saying? as it is anything else, okay? Um, but this is an article from Newsweek. They had a very interesting arrangement. It says Mill Gates, Melinda Gates approved Bill's unusual arrangement with his ex-girlfriend, Ann Winbaugh. It says Bill Gates dated Ann Winbaugh, a software entrepreneur and venture capitalist before he married Melinda French in 1984. But even after saying I do to Melinda, Bill reportedly had an agreement with his wife that he could continue to see Winbaugh for an annual weekend getaway. 
That's rich dude. Let me tell you something. You can never build. I keep saying, if you didn't have them billions, never. I must be why I wouldn't last in that. But, <laughs> but because he got that billion working behind me, yeah, Microsoft, he's like, okay, you boy, do what you want to do. <laughs> but it says, uh, Bill Wilbaugh started dating in 1984 and bonded over mutual interest in science. They remained close after their breakup in 1987, according to Waiter Isaacson. I- 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 uh, 1997, Tom Profile Even now, Gates has an arrangement with his wife that he and Wimbach can keep one vacation tradition alive, okay? Isaacson wrote in 1997, every spring they have uh, for more than a decade, Gates spends a long weekend with Wimbaugh at her beach cottage on the outer banks of North Carolina where they ride, dune buggies, hang glide, and walk on the beach, Okay. Bill told Isaacins they would uh, play put-put while discussing biotechnology when Bob said. The two would discuss the world around them and marvel by how two young overachievers really began to a great adventure on the fringes of a little-known industry, and it landed us at the center of an amazing universe. It's unclear if the tradition continued past 1997. Newsweek reached out to Ann Wimbaugh, Bill, and Melinda Gates for comment, but not receive a response. Okay, Wimbaugh and Bill's crush-up began with virtual dates where they would drive to the same movie at the same time in different cities and discuss it on their cell phones. <laughs> Isaac has described them as kindred spirits who enjoy spending vacations, learning about science. Now, they may have had a business relationship. You know, there are people who can be friends after they uh, relationship and not, not be sexual at all. You know what I'm saying? Now, I wouldn't trust that shit, but it could possibly be. I would, I would tr- it depends if I got to see the person. You know what I'm saying? But you have to, you know, there are people who are kindred spirits. Maybe they had a kindred spirit in their, you know, they like to be around each other and they're great friends, but the relationship probably just didn't work the fuck out. Like they didn't, maybe they weren't great really romantic, okay? But they loved each other as friends and wanted to hang out with each other. I could see that. I could understand that. Yeah, like a Carlotta. Yeah, I know I can because there are some people like that who, who love you know, somebody really loved their company, but now, but, you know, but they, it depends on the, the, to the, the extent of their romantic relationship, where they really like, you know, like, was it a deep romantic relationship? Did they break up right away? I mean, it depends. That would all come into play. But if they just had a, they found out they were better friends than lovers and it didn't happen, and it happened quick. And I might, I don't know if I would consider a weekend, but I wouldn't mind him going out to dinner or talking or hanging out with somebody who's the opposite sex. I mean, that might be dumb, but that's on him, okay? So you never know what kind of arrangement. Bill Gates got billions of dollars, and you got billions of dollars. You can do shit other men can't do. <laughs> and who does? Melinda was probably like, take your ass on so I can go to hang out with my boyfriend. They just say Scorpio is the is the is the sign of polyamory. <laughs> okay, so interesting. Okay, um, it says while they reveal they reportedly studied bioengineering together after Bill broke uh, broke out James Watson's textbook. So see, they may have a lot to talk about. Whereas Melinda might not be interested in talking about biotechnology and shit. She's like, go talk to her. She ain't got time for that. But he might have a very strong romantic relationship with her. Now I'm like, uh-uh, Carlotta, don't get it. <laughs> it can happen. It can happen. There, like, there's some men who you go, you like to, some men like to hang out, and you, you, you're just great friends with them, you know, but you're not, there's, you can't, you don't have a romantic thing. Or some women, 
some men love they the homies, but they don't have a romantic thing with them. That happens, okay? And maybe that happened for them. Maybe not. Maybe they were, she, she was a side piece, okay? Maybe she didn't want marriage, okay? Now, that could be. She didn't want to give him marriage. Now, there's some rich men, man shit, too. She Maybe she was a girlfriend that didn't want, because she's so intelligent, she didn't want to give him children or anything like that. But Melinda wanted to give children. So he said, okay, let me marry her, but I come hang out for a weekend with you. And we talk and shoot the breeze and stuff and get our groove on. And maybe that was the arrangement. When you got fucking $200 billion, you can do that shit. <laughs> oh, rich males, the narcissisticness of it all. <laughs> now, if your ass got a little $30 million, you can't talk that shit. Some people say you can. I don't, not for no $30 million. I'll be like, nope. If you bother Bill Gates down, maybe I can see you talking that shit. But no. Yeah, I mean, you know, and it all depends on the women. You know, type certain men get certain type of women who are okay with the sister wives shit. Just as long as they, they everybody understand they play. Okay? <laughs> Some weird world we live in. Lakeith Stanfield apologizes after anti-Semitic clubhouse chats, okay? This is according to page6.com. It says Lakeith Stanfield has issued a lengthy apology following his involvement in an anti-Semitic chat on clubhouse. I condemn hate speech and discriminatory views of every kind. I unconditionally apologize for what went on in the chat room and for allowing my presence there to give a platform to hate speech. Lakeith Stanford wrote in apology posted to his Instagram account early Saturday morning. I am not an anti-Semite, nor do I condone any of these beliefs discussed in that chat room. The actual apology came after he was featured as a moderator in a clubhouse room focusing on the teachings of controversial Nation of Islam leader Louis Farrakhan. When the conversation turned to anti-Semitic, uh, Stanfield 29 claims he was made a moderator of the chat as the host noticed he was in the room. At some point during the dialogue, the discussion took a very negative turn when several users made a her- ab- abhorrent uh, anti-Semitic point I should have either shut down the discussion or moved from the a- uh, uh, room entirely. Uh, Listen, it depends on what was said. See, because a lot of stuff that's called anti-Semitic to me is not anti-Semitic, and this is my personal opinion. I think a lot of Jewish people are very, uh, they have a very, because when you say most executives in Hollywood are Jewish, they say anti-Semitic. <laughs> and I think why they do that is because part of their success has been part of their burden. Uh and from what happened during the uh, – and what Hitler did to them, they are very sensitive to anything now, right? You know what I'm saying? Very sensitive to anything. And it's hard to have a, a discussion on Jewish people because Jewish people also have white privilege. It's hard to have those discussions because – and this is not – and somebody would say this is anti-Semitic, but listen, I am. this is not anti-Semitic. I'm, I'm saying what Jew, my Jewish brothers and sisters need to hear. The truth is that you can hide your racism because you can always go over and say, anti-Semitic, <laughs> for you to question, am I using my privilege in Hollywood to put other stereotypes on other people? And I know I shouldn't do that. 
So when people call out Jewish people, they get really sensitive because of what Hitler, what horrific things Hitler did, okay? But because people are having real discussions and saying, hey, are you responsible for some racial situations in Hollywood? As a Jewish person, you need to, uh, you know what, how horrible it is to, uh, uh, for racism, I mean, um, a racism can be intolerance. How can you allow that same thing to go on? And see, they'll yell anti-Semitic every time. See, that's what we got to, they have to stop that because they do that a lot and they protect themselves. And I'm not saying, I don't know that that's what he was saying, if that was what was going on in that chat room. But his presence there does not mean that, that he agrees with them. I often listen to people I disagree with. I go listen to the most radical racist person, okay? That don't mean I fucking agree with them. Everybody's side. And you can't say somebody's anti-Semitic because they fucking listen. And in this world of technology, people listen to all kind of shit. I mean, you know, we have to be more tolerant of other people's views, even if it's something ugly. Just as long as it doesn't turn into uh, concentration camps and things like that, okay? You know what I'm saying? We know when the human race has gone nutty back. Hitler was a nut, okay? So when we, 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 you know, so that's what I'm saying. There, But there has been that sensitivity with Jewish people. Jewish people don't like to talk about, when people talk about them being successful, they feel the next thing is going to be them attacking them because of their success. Well, sometimes Jewish executives and Jewish in Hollywood have been also responsible for uh, mistreating black people under white privilege, Not, and they have been Jewish. Oh, don't act like that. Doesn't, that didn't happen. Okay? But then they'll holler anti-Semitic so we can't have the discussion. Okay? So, I mean, you know, these things are hard. But I think now the Jewish community has to has to even allow room for the discussion for that type of discussion to happen. You know, why do people associate us with our success with us trying to dominate or rule the world? Why do people think we're this and that? Have the discussion. Maybe if you open yourself to the discussion, you can see what maybe sometimes things need to change. Sometimes, not I'm not saying Jewish people need to change, but sometimes people need to understand the stereotypes so that you can address them. You know, I feel like we've helped the black community. Okay, how you how have you helped? How have you failed? Why are black people feeling sometimes like we're we're uh, we're we're the enemy? I mean, these are all very real things. You can't you can't use white privilege and the very horrible plight of of what happened to Jewish people all at the same time to hide you doing wrong. Just can't do it. Okay? We're all humans and we're all flawed. And even a group of people, even Jewish people, even after all the bad things they did to just like black people all the bad things we've been through. We had 300-year Holocaust, shit. We get it. 
we can all have flawed thoughts and flawed things and be imperfect and be wrong. You can't hide behind anti-Semitic stuff every time. I'm just saying, I get it. I get why they do it because they're scared, and I get it. You don't want another situation to happen like that. But black people, you, we, we, we take it every day. We don't want to be crazy again ever, but we hear shit every day on TV and everything about us. Fuck. Everybody, talk, everybody talks about us. And, and it can sound very much like the old slavery ad. And we, had, we was in that shit 300 years. It was a 300-year Holocaust. Hundreds of years in America. I'm waking up people telling you what to do, what to eat, what to drink, whippings and beatings and hangings and shit. So, I mean, you know, I think that, that there has to be, we have to be more tolerant and willing to educate people when we feel they're wrong and not just be ready to cancel people and not just be ready to have people out here apologizing so fast. And I know this is infrastructure. Somebody's going to say this is anti-Semitic or whatever, whatever, okay? I am the least bit anti-Semitic. But I can uh, 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 have the discussion of why something may be right or something may be wrong. I think people should be allowed to do that. And there's this thing, and, and I feel like that's kind of a thing in Hollywood, that, you know, you got black people afraid to have these conversations about sometimes even Jewish leadership in, in Hollywood and its connection to white supremacy and white privilege. Yes. And they find themselves, if they're having that discussion, they find themselves being called anti-Semitic because what you can do, you're a group that has been marginalized and you're a group that has been hurt. And I get it in a very harsh way. So you can run in and out. You can run into white privilege when you need to and do white supremacy shit, but you can also run into uh, being uh, very, uh, like, we've been marginalized, we've been hurt too. So it, it, you can hide behind both. And, and it, it becomes very, anytime people try to have that discussion, it's called anti-Semitic. I'm not sure what they were discussing. I don't know if they were saying Jewish people were bad or stuff like that. And you're saying stuff like Jewish people are the devil and all that and stuff like that. That is anti-Semitic, okay? But at the same time, why are these thoughts being had? Like, I listen to white people when they say stuff about black people. I want to know, why are you thinking that? Where does that come from? Okay, so I think that we have to be a little bit, and sometimes I think that's being done on purpose. You know, you got not all Jewish people, but you have a lot of people who want to protect their power. And they want to operate in supremacy, and they want to operate in um, uh, 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 being a group that's marginalized. And that can in turn raise up people to be very angry and start to say, uh, become anti-Semitic because people think you're being racist against them. So that's why things have to, people have to have these discussions and things like that. Because you're constantly seeing black people apologizing for anti-Semitic conversations. And I think what's going on is I believe that there is not a discussion being had between the black and white communities about really uh, uh, the 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 uh, 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 split there, 
and have have has has Jewish people being even being in a very uh, had a horrible things happen in history to you. But yet in America, you also can act in white privilege and white supremacy. Is it hard for you to be held accountable for things that you may have participated in in white supremacy with black people? And that's causing anti-Semitic points of views to come out about you now. I mean, let's be real here. I mean, we can't have that discussion. Then you're going to breathe the very thing you're scared of. So that's why people need to be allowed to have open discussions. Anytime people start putting restrictions on discussions and can't tolerate hearing other people's thoughts and views and points and stuff like that, it gets crazy unless you're telling people go out and kill the people or something like that. Other than that, you know, people should be able to have these discussions to be able to get understanding of each other and to freely see, you know, the, see the issues that may be going on with one another. Because I've noticed that more and more black people are having to apologize for anti-Semitic shit, okay? And a lot of times you look behind it and there's not anti-Semitic. There's questions. There are people believing that Jewish people have been prejudiced to them or there's all kinds of things going on, okay? And it's very easy for that to happen because you can hide with under white privilege too, okay? Okay, somebody might hear this twenty. I said, I'm not gonna have to. I apologize now for any comments that I may have said that offended anyone. Yeah, just throw my apologies. Yeah, you just gotta throw apologies because <laughs> somebody somebody's always offended instead of wanting to talk about it. Okay. Uh, now, uh, also in the news, Dr. Umar Johnson is right about Kevin Samuels making money off. Making Black Women Feel Bad. This is an article in MadamNoray.com by Veronica Wells. It says, um, you know, last week Dr. Umar came first. He didn't say no names, but he came for some people who uh, talked that Kevin Samuel stuff on YouTube. He says, no secret that we've been more than critical about Dr. Umar's, uh, this is her article, Homophobic Misogynistic Ideology, his initiatives, his fundraising methods, and even his treatment of black women. He claims the love and respect. There's a long history of hypocrisy and valid questions have been raised about the sincerity of his intention. I don't agree with that and some of that what she said, okay? I don't I think Dr. Umar where as much as I there's some things I question about Dr. Umar, but for the most part, I think Dr. Umar, um, I can I can respect his views even if I disagree with him. Because some of his views are, are pretty interesting, okay? You know what I'm saying? And so it doesn't make him, you know, a lot of people like to put people in places and stuff like that, but you know, um I don't know. Still, there are times when Dr. Umar gets right, and, and this only fair. That's a lot of times he gets right. It's only fair that we acknowledge that too. Recently on Instagram Live, Dr. Umar spoke about Kevin Samuels. If you've been off the internet for some time, you might not have seen Samuels, but that's likely for the best. Samuels has made a name for himself, giving advice to men and mostly women who come to him for advice. Women explain their situations to Samuels, and he finds a list of reasons why they're not in a relationship with men. Some of his go-to's are telling women. They're not as attractive or valuable as they think. He does so in very hurtful ways. Now, he's not the only one. I do believe that some of the things he says are pretty interesting, and I, I, I don't disagree with that. Uh, I think women are having a hard time hearing hard truths 
But at the same time, I do believe Kevin Samuels can be very uh, disheartening in the way he delivers it. And then I have some questions about Kevin Samuels, too, though. But it says, if you're not paying attention to his degra- his degradation comes off as entertainment for some people, truth-telling. But at, but at the heart, Samuels' comments are mean-spiritedness that have people questioning whether he wants to help improve the lives or he just hates women. Okay. So here's Dr. Umar, and I'm hopefully y'all can hear him talking about what Kevin Samuels has been saying on the internet. I'm gonna play a little bit of it for y'all. I hope y'all can hear because my audio has been crazy. But let me let me put it up so you guys can hear this. I count about a dozen. I'm gonna call them the dirty dozen of division. The Triple D, the Dirty Dozen of Division. There's about 12 members of the Dirty Dozen of Division, 12 beta males YouTube life coaches who are trying to build a platform by making black women feel bad. I don't like it. I I, I can't appreciate black men trying to make a dollar off of making black women feel bad. And unfortunately, our black women, some of them are so thirsty for validation that they're participating. They're participating in the attacks and slander against the black female community, and that's not acceptable. That's not acceptable. No black woman should ever subject herself, even for amusement, even for amusement. Even for amusement, the black... And Kevin Sanders has known, been known to say some horrible stuff to women, say stuff like you're six and all this stuff. I mean, it's just hideous things, okay, right? But women have come on there and exposed themselves to him, sounding very crazy and everything like that. You know what I'm saying? So why I don't, why I'm not that into some of the things Kevin Samuels say, some of the things he says is true. Um, I mean, I even like somebody, I like Jason Black, the business, but he's so, he's hardcore too, uh, but he's more, to me, a little bit more solid than uh, Kevin Samuels, um, and I don't agree with him all the time either. I think that uh, that the world is so full of diversity and different people that, you know, things, I mean, you know, it, it's true when they say single mothers are going to have a harder time finding a man than a woman without children. That's fact. Like, if you're a baby mama, if you've been a baby mama twice with two different men, men are going to sometimes judge you. That doesn't mean you won't ever find anybody, but those type of art, those type of people will go on there and they will go hard. They will say, that you ain't going to find you really, uh, you, you are this and that, you and that. And it it, it, it kind of is harsh at times, right? I can be harsh on here. But uh, they are truthful in that way. But I also agree with Dr. Umar that women, there are a lot of women that come on there and they are, they know that Kevin Samuels is going to, what he's going to say to them. They don't have a stuff straight. And he is hideous sometimes to them. Now, I don't listen to Kevin a lot, but when I do, I have seen that situation. And I've been like, whoa. You know what I'm saying? So women will do it. You, you, my thing is don't ask somebody like that for advice. But he does some things he does say is true, okay? Uh, but I also believe Dr. Omar is right on this also, okay, uh, that there are men who really um, 
out here who love, who are beta males. A lot of them are beta males. They like to think they're alpha males, but they're beta males who are angry with women. There are some that are angry. There are some that are beta males who are angry with women, and they want to bring women down a few notches. So they tend to insult women and stuff like that and say, you know, oh, well, you're really this. What are you like if you take this off, if you do this and that? I mean, they really they really like to attack women, okay? So, uh, and some people are really saying it just for really trying to help women uh, to be better at ch- making choices. My favorite, though, I love this girl, Chloe. She she says a lot of the same things, certain things, but she says it in a very different way. Uh, I think she's very good at uh, talking to women about uh, finding certain types of men and things like that, okay? But very interesting. I'm not surprised Dr. Umar is out here coming for Kevin Samuels. Uh, a lot of people are starting to come for Kevin Samuels now, Um Kevin Samuels is uh, – mm-hmm. there's a lot that can be said on that, <laughs> a whole lot, okay, a whole lot there, okay. Uh, but we're going to have to save that for another show. But, it's, but hey, if you ever heard – I think a lot of men who are – who have low self-esteem or who are very insecure will kind of use Kevin Samuels to start to, to, to try to be nitpicky with women and stuff like that. But, you know, it is what it is. I mean, they say stuff about women who are older all the time, which I feel they're totally wrong. They'll say women who are older are easy are not easy to rear. The younger women are. But the problem with that logic is that younger women get older <laughs> and they change too. I actually say it's the opposite, really. When women are older and they become wiser and everything, a lot of times women, older women are more willing to work with a man than a younger girl is because a young girl still got her choices out in these streets. She ain't got to deal with you old daddy, <laughs> old pop. <laughs> so, you know, it, I mean, I think they say a lot of things that they make, uh, they make a lot of assumptions on women that they don't know because they're not women. <laughs> So it's very interesting, okay? So very interesting. Even though we, older women do come with a specific a specific m- amount of of things through living, okay? But that also you can it can either be wisdom or it can be baggage. Not all older women carry uh, just baggage. Some carry a significant amount of wisdom that outweighs baggage, okay? And there are a lot of young women that carry a whole lot of baggage. Just because they're young doesn't mean they don't carry baggage. <laughs> right, so there's a lot of assumptions uh, from uh, uh, these sometimes some of these guys. Okay, so uh, it's, it's really interesting. Okay, and uh, Dr. Umar hit on some pretty valid points out there. Okay, uh, I wanted to talk about Candy and Todd. We, we might have to go in overdrive, y'all, because I got to talk about Candy and Todd. Talk about threesomes down these. <laughs> I think Candy is talking about. Uh, did I got that up? You got a few minutes left. Hold on, let me see. Um, I can pull it up here. Candy and Todd, Candy talked about, was very candid. Uh, you know, tonight is going to be uh, SWV versus, uh, versus, what is it, SWV versus uh, the uh, uh, escape. Okay, listen, we all know, listen, I ain't, gonna, I ain't trying to disrespect. I like escape. I love it. But uh-uh, y'all know, SWV is the girl group, right? <laughs> they the girl group. They, they the girl group. I, they can't mess with Coco and them now. <laughs> Right, but uh, uh, let's see. 
Ken, uh, but tonight, Ken, I mean, Candy had a very interesting conversation. Last night. I'm trying to pull it up here. Uh, we're going to go into overdrive. For those of you who are hanging on the phone lines, you want to stay on the phone lines when I end the show, because I'm going to have an after, kind of like an after show overdrive where I talk about a couple of more news stories. If I hang up, that means I'm going to have a part two. That means I've lost connection, okay? So I have a part two during, um, I'll have a part two during the week sometime. But, uh, but if not, if you're not on the phone lines and you listen to the computer, if you're on the phone lines, if you're not on the phone lines, you have to dial 718-766-4236. It's 718-766-4236 if you want to get in and hear the after drive in, in the in, wide slide. Other than that, you'll have to wait till it comes. The archives come up on Apple or uh, or uh, Blog Talk Radio, okay? Uh, let me see. I wanted to talk to you all about candy, something candy was saying this week. Uh, I've got to find it here. Okay. Candy Burris gets ca- candid about sexual pleasures with husband Todd, okay? Uh, let's see. It says Candy Burris, and this is according to uh, yourweb.com. This is it. It says Candy Burris loves to overshell details about her sex life. Well, Candy's a sex girl. She talks about, you know, she's had, she has a, uh, 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 that sex thing that goes around. She, she's very, she, I don't think she's, uh, she overshares. She, that's what she does kind of in life, okay? But she says, uh, talks about, uh, overshares details about her sex life with her husband, Todd Tucker. And she didn't hold back recently by discussion pleasure with Tammy Roman on her show, Get Into It, okay? Uh, the per, the YBF, uh, uh, Roman asked Candy about her and Todd's bedroom answers, specifically if they ever had her to do, if Todd ever asked her to do unrealistic things in the bedroom. She says, no, he's never asked me to do anything that was unrealistic, the skate singer said. But for me, I'm open to pretty much try anything in the bedroom that's legal, she laughs. As long as I'm not hurting anybody, I'm down with it, she added. Candy also explained that she has no issues inviting other women to join in her and Todd's bedroom answers, okay? Some women are very weird about bringing other people in the bedroom and stuff like that, said Candy. You're okay with that, asked Tammy. Well, yeah, I am, said Candy. I have no interest in having two men at the same time. That just sounds like a whole bunch of work to me, she was saying. <laughs> That's a game bang, isn't it, Tammy asked. To me, it is, Candy responded. No, thank you. Uh, Tammy then asked Candy if she ever put a strap on uh, to, use, to use on other women. Find out what she said. Oh, Lord. Okay, let's listen to this. Okay, let's listen to Candy, y'all. Let's be nosy. Let's see, we got time. Do we got time? Lord, okay. Okay, we got, listen. Oh, man, I'm sad for y'all. If y'all not on the phone lines, okay, we got to go into the overdrive. I'm getting ready to go into the overdrive because I only got two minutes and 30 seconds left. For the people on the phone lines, stay on. You can hear the show in its entirety, you know, live. You can hear the overdrive. For those of you who are listening to the computer, the internet or whatever, you will have to listen to the rest of the show when I come back, okay? When I when when I mean when the archive show is up, okay? So for those of you guys I'm about to sign off on the show today. You guys have a wonderful, wonderful weekend. I'm going into overdrive. Remember if I click clicked off or something in overdrive then I have to do a part two at another time, okay guys who are hanging on the line, all right? But you guys for the rest of you guys have a wonderful, wonderful weekend. I'm going to leave with. Oh, let's leave with this one. I love this one. Got band yearning for your love. It's the CC show. I'll see y'all next week. I'm out. We're going into overdrive. Be back. In, I mean, for the rest of you, I'll be back in a moment. For the rest of you guys, have a good one. 
Because sometimes my technology be acting out, okay, in the streets. But let's get into it. Oh, first let me tell you guys this. If you want to get in touch with me, I have the Carlotta Chatworth Facebook page. Please feel free to write me or send me any anything you want to see on the show. Or if you got info, I mean, if you didn't like something I said or whatever, you know how y'all be doing out in the streets. Uh, you can hit me up at the Carlotta Chatworth Facebook page okay and if you got some uh, if you want to be in a show you have a product or something like that you, you can always do that okay and then there's also my instagram carly underscore galaxy it is okay to dm me your information okay i just had somebody do that last week that is fine okay carly's underscore galaxy on instagram also you can hit me up on um oh wait a shit i don't know what oh, oh twitter carlotta 72 and C Chatwood Show. Those are two Twitter accounts, two very different ones. C Chatwood Show and Carlotta72, okay? And make sure you guys, if you guys got to hit me up on the Carlotta Chatwood Facebook page, a lot of you follow, okay? I love that. Thank you. <laughs> uh, but you guys can also, with your follow, hit the like button, okay? All right, thank you guys. And so uh, for that, let me, let, me, let me say that little bit of information, information, but let's talk about candy, okay? Candy is talking about her entire sex life. Okay, I'm not shocked by Candy because Candy is a sexual girl, okay? And Candy said some interesting things about her entire sex life when she was talking to Tammy Roman this week, okay? So let's listen to a little bit of what Candy had to say. But when, you, when we, when, so Like, has he ever asked you to do something that just felt unrealistic to you? Because, you know, 
like sometimes, you know, Reggie wants me to, like, he, he might go out to the strip club with his boys, and it's like, he sees some old acrobatic shit, and then he comes home, and he thinks that me and 51 is going to swing from the chandelier. So I'm just saying, has Todd ever asked you to do anything that just felt unrealistic? Like, no. No, he hasn't. Honestly, he's never asked me to do anything that was, like, unrealistic. Like, for me, I'm open to pretty much try anything in the bedroom that's legal. Uh, right, 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 right. I ain't hurt nobody, you know, I'm down with it. Now, the only thing, you know, I know some people, like, um, when it comes to some women are very, you know, weird about, you know, um, bringing other people in the bedroom when it comes to threesomes and stuff like that. And you, you're okay with that? Well, yes, I am, you know what I mean? But... I don't, you know, some women be like, well, you got to be cool if you want to bring another man. I don't, I have no interest in having two men at the same time. That just sounds like a whole bunch of work to me. journey between you and the other person I just feel like that if you're really like I don't know and you know what hey listen there are some men in life I will just say this okay you know I as women women there are some men in life that have this energy that can make turn women into porn stars I mean that's the real shit I know a lot of y'all just women say that I ain't gonna never have that piece of and then they end up out here in these streets doing threesomes because they with somebody who's got high sexual energy and they like they turn them into high sexual energy beasts and all this stuff. It's all kind of stuff to say, you know, all kind of stuff can happen. Now I'm now I'm laughing at Candy. This is a sideboard. Candy is quick to say legal. Candy is you are you on it? Are you gonna be Candy is you gonna be in these streets with T I and Tiny? Would you have to tell me alleged parties? <laughs> she was quick to say illegal. <laughs> a hot mess. 
I get it. But, you know, that's where, to me, threesomes can become a lot, especially if you're a celebrity, right? Like, if you're a celebrity, I'd be very – if I'm with a, somebody who's a celebrity and, and we're in a relationship and we decide to bring in another, I'd be very protective of them because that person, I don't – you don't know who the fuck – I mean, they can come, they can be set – I mean, they can out you out and all this shit. Now, but it's, it's a lot. I mean, celebrities have had a lot of threesomes probably in there. And all the a lot of people that add them out there. So they must have something they go through or something. <laughs> so they use escort services or something. What the fuck are y'all using? <laughs> not, 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 many, not many people say so. You might find a couple in Lipstick Alley or something. <laughs> uh-huh. I don't know. It's just, it just seems like such an intimate act between you and your, the person you love. And I feel like inviting someone else in, I know they say it's sharing love together, but it's such a sacred act. It's just like, is it sacred anymore? And besides me, do I really like women like that? Like, Carl, yeah, like, Carlotta, you like Janet like that? Yeah, I talk shit about Janet, but I don't want to sleep with her. I don't want to say I like I talk shit about Rihanna, but I don't really want to sleep. <laughs> I say I crush on them. I do crush on them. I think they're very beautiful. But do I want to sleep with them? No, I don't have that feeling. I don't know. Would I be? In, I, I don't know if I would be into it. I just like I just don't. Know, you know what I'm saying? Like I just. I don't know if I'm attracted enough to women to do a threesome. <laughs> what are you saying, Carlotta? You're not bisexual? Yeah, I'm not trisexual either. I mean, you know, it, maybe it's something you got to get into. <laughs> but I might be pissed the next day if I saw, like, you know, like, you know, my husband do something or something during the time. You're like, oh, what the like you was looking at her and she looked too much. You can hurt a little too much time. You know, the Scorpio and me might kick out. I don't know. This is, you know, what people say, you know. I I just don't see it. And I it, yeah. No. Very interesting though. Candy, it's not I that doesn't surprise me about candy at all though. Not at all. Okay, uh, Amanda Seals on Kamala Harris. Now, y'all know this week because Amanda Seals came out and was getting on my, uh, my Kamala Harris, which is funny to my, my ass because Kamala, Amanda Seals is the main one talking shit during the election, like don't hold uh, 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 her feet to the fire. Let's just get Trump out. <laughs> now, she got props. Let me see. Do I got her up here? Amanda Seals, Kamala Harris. What Amanda Seals said about Kamala Harris. Let me see if I can close up, y'all. This is funny to me because, you know, I mean, people were trying to say that from the beginning. Amanda Seals on Kamala Harris saying America isn't racist. Because, you know, y'all didn't get on Kamala for saying America isn't racist. Y'all got on the Republican, but Kamala said the same thing. Hey, uh, she embarrassed everyone who supported her. That's what, um, uh, this is what Amanda Seals says, according to thegrio.com. It says, this month, actor-comedian Amanda Seals has come forward to share her disappointments about Vice President Kamala Harris agreeing with Tim Scott that America isn't a racist country. Last week, Senator Scott responded to President Joe Biden's first address 
to Congress by saving her. Um, let's see here. What happened? Hold on, guys. I lost my little. Okay. By saving. Uh, here, here. Okay. Last week, Senator Scott responded to Joe Biden's first address to Congress by saying, hear me clearly. America is not a racist country. It's backwards to fight discrimination with different types of discrimination. It's wrong to use our painful past to dishonestly shut down debate. Surprisingly, this immediately caused an uproar all over social media. But what shocked people more was when Harris seemingly agreed with South Carolina Republican before adding her own nuance, okay? I don't think America is a racist country, Harris began, before noting, but we also have to speak truth to the history of racism in our country and its existence today. Harris supporters and critics were unified in their disappointment about her statement. But Seals, who is currently set filming the last season of HBO's It's a Ray produced show, his show Insecure, took time out to schedule uh, to address comments head on. Then Kamala, the paradoxical political pandering is tired and insulting to the uh, to the constituency that supported you along with affirming the doubts of those that didn't. And listen, no, she basically told people to ignore their doubts. And now she's pissed off because Kamala is being exactly what she was being during the election. What the fuck? Okay, but it says, uh, but it says uh, please fix this aspect aspect aspect. I don't know. Can I say that? Asapdiciously? <laughs> the 39-year-old wrote in her caption. Okay. Okay. Everybody's on some bullshit. Cool, 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 cool. She began the coming video. That was dumb and embarrassing, embarrassingly. And she embarrassed everyone who supported her. You should be embarrassed because we told you. Everybody told you what Kamala Harris was. This is not a surprise. Kamala Harris is no different. And America is a racist country. America is having a hard time dealing with its racist past. It is very much not all of America. I don't think that most of America realizes it's racist and realizes that the underbelly of his issues is racism at its core. Okay? Uh, and the very fact that Kamala Harris, of Kamala Harris's and Barack, uh, 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 I would say especially against Native Black Americans, racism still extreme it's it's all it's against most black most black people period but very much so against native black Americans. kamala harris's uh uh, uh kamala harris's um um assent to the vice presidency Barack's assent to the presidency does not show that america is not a racist country and has still not gotten over its past as a matter of fact america would rather have black immigrants at the head of his uh, 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 of an office in Black Native Americans, I would say racism still very much exists. We have yet to have a descendant of American slavery in a uh, vice presidential seat or a presidential seat. Okay, being Black ain't enough. The the crimes, the most hideous crimes for 400 years, were against yes, some Black people who who happened to get the remnants uh, who came here. Uh, 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 post-1965 or a little bit before, who got some of the remnants of black, of black Native and Black American racism. Yes, they got some remnants of it, but most of the crimes, egregious crimes and, and uh, 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 of race, of American race, has been done to Native Black Americans. And there is still very much anger and racism and gaslighting of that group. 
So when we do discuss it, because a lot of times what's happening when America sells off is Kamala Harris and Barack Obama has uh, black, just black people, period. There's a black, see, look, we had a black vice VP and we've had a black president. Or they've got some black in them. But no, look closer. One is half Kenyan and one is half uh, Indian. No, probably a third or fourth of the Indians. Okay? And we have yet to have a descendant of slaves hold a high, a high, high office in American politics. So that tells me something. America, you're not over your racist past. You know, that, they love you that Kamala Harris is not a, a is not a picture of our aspiration. She represents she does not represent Native Black America. She is half Indian and of the Jamaican descent. And Barack Obama is half Kenyan descent, okay? That, that that we black America's lineage we have yet and I, it's it's so funny because when you talk to black people they actually get surprised by that they like oh I didn't even think about that because we haven't done a good job as black people of protecting our lineage in America so what you all have is a lot of black people say but they black and you be like but they're not native black you still haven't had a descendant of slaves ascend to uh, the presidential office so we still in tech, tech, technically haven't had the first black American president who is a descendant of slaves. And that's pretty deep to think about. So how can you say America is not a racist country? And then you'll say, see, look, we got Barack as president, and it'll mask that the, what I love is Yvette Carnell and Antonio Moore talk about the decadent veil, Antonio Moore and and Yvette I mean, and, and saying it masks our failure as black Americans and how race plays a role in that. Racism plays a role in it. So very interesting there uh, that Commander Steele said that she was one of the main supporters for not putting um, uh, Kamala Harris's feet to the fire. But uh, Kamala Harris always showed who she was. And we tried to tell, people tried to tell people like Amanda feels that and she refused okay and now she's mad because kamala is being what she was during the election cycle people crazy out these streets okay what else i want to talk to y'all about um ben affleck on this dating app okay this is very interesting and then we're going to talk about dr dre and i think i'm gonna end it up for end it right here but let's go with dr dre um no let's go with um Ben Affleck. Okay, so Ben Affleck was allegedly on this date. No, he wasn't allegedly. He was on this dating app, okay? And uh, Raya, okay, apparently it's a lot of wealthy, uh, 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 you know, celebrities and stuff that go to this uh, this dating application called Raya, right? Okay, wow. Y'all got to go to the dating app? I don't see how, why would Ben Affleck, like, why would Ben Affleck's ass got to go on the dating app? I mean, you can just walk outside and get women. But anyway, it says, uh, this is according to people, it says a social media influencer said Ben Affleck sent her Instagram video message after they allegedly matched on a dating app, Raya, okay? A social media influencer says Ben Affleck sent her an Instagram video, a message after the two matched on the exclusive dating app, Raya, 
Oh, I know why. Mm, I think I get it. <laughs> In a video posted to TikTok on Monday, Naveen J shared the video. She says, Affleck48 sent to her on Instagram, writing, thinking of the time I matched with Ben Affleck on Raya and thought it was fake. So I matched him, and he sent me a video on Instagram. It's unclear when the alleged uh, exchange took place, okay? The video then cut to Affleck48 in the video message um Let's see. Okay. I missed that part. Okay. And a video message saying, Naveen, why did you match me? It's me. While Affleck has remained silent on his dating life and relationships, he did make lighthearted posts about the personal, his personal life in 2019 as a report that he was using Raya. Hi, you got me. I'm dating. Affleck wrote in an Instagram post at the time before opening up about a cause he cared for. Uh, but let's be serious for a moment and talk about something that's actually important, okay? And then he's talking, then he starts going. Okay, listen, my only thing about this chick is I, when Ben Affleck would have uh, 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 did that to me, I would have been like, uh, hold up, she's very pretty. So I would have been like, hold up, that's really you? So I would have immediately exchanged her and had a talk with him. I mean, he's a nice guy. I mean, but she would immediately, did she take it to the, to the press? I never would have took something like that to the press, I don't think. You know why? You know, because, you know, I just don't think I, I because it's, like, no. Like, you know, I just feel like, you know, if you're going to date that kind of guy, I mean, you know, like, you know, like Denzel sent me, I, mean, I always say, I use Denzel's ass a lot. Uh, who else? Let me see. Uh, if, uh, uh, uh. Damn, I can't think of y'all. Denzel's the finest out here. Okay, Idris Elba, if he was uh, uh, to send me an app or something, I'd been like, shit, you know? Damn it, I'm going to keep that quiet. <laughs> because with Idris Elba, and I'm be trying to holler back. If you single out, if you single out in the streets and pretty girl single and got it going on, you're like, hey, this is easy. I ain't going to tell nobody. I ain't trying to tell nobody about what? Why, why she put that on the? Oh, I wouldn't have put it out there. That's the only thing. I think that was bad to put it out there. I mean, that's like something. And then that, what does that do for other famous guys who are on the app? Which is interesting to me. This app that famous men go to get with. I'm. I ain't gonna say nothing. I'm a man. I'm gonna mind my thoughts. But anyway, because when they don't really have to, but maybe they're asking for. Uh, maybe what it's really about is discretion. <laughs> but anyway, I digress. Uh, but because um, I hear that women even got to pay to get on this site or something like that, something crazy. I don't know. But, uh, yeah, uh, the whole thing is, uh, I mean, you know, like, are you, I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want being, I mean, you know, it, it's going to mess you up with other famous guys because they're now thinking like, oh, God, if I send her a thing and she's going to put it out there in the media that, damn, I'm trying to holler. I mean, like, damn. <laughs> So I don't know, girls, if, you, if you're on Raya or whatever the shit that is, I mean, and, you know, somebody hits you up that's fine and famous, you know, might keep it to yourself. Like, you know, damn, like, don't say nothing, you know, so, you know, because you might get a lot of other guys that, you know, you may have some competition going on. But she's pretty, too. She should have just chilled out. Like, chilled out. Like, oh, cute. And flirted back or something. But now she put it all out here on social media. I'm just, a, I mean, I'm a Scorpio shit. I be telling y'all everything, but I don't tell y'all everything. I'm, I'm, I'm quiet. I like my shit up. Tell, tell my <laughs> you know, like if I was single 
in this straight, these streets, I could actually date somebody and nobody ever know it. I, 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 I'm like that. I don't, I don't. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I really am. I, you know, I can really do that. I'm, I'm quiet about my shit. I can be. I am. My friends will tell you. I don't like joking. I tell my friend, my close, close friends, to, to certain things, but sometimes they still don't know. You know what I'm saying? So I'm, yeah, I get, I, but yeah, I would be very quiet about that kind of thing. I would, especially if it's a famous guy. Cause you know, you get so many haters too. Like, you know, women who like mad that like if you, they find out you dating the famous guy or the famous guy like you, then they want to suddenly compete. Like, let me take it like me, let me take it. I mean, you know, it's just like, come on. Like, you know, sometimes you just want to keep it quiet. Like, damn, I don't want everybody to know that I'm dating his ass because it's going to make me a target. Okay. So, yeah. And who knows how many exes and shit you got out here that's crazy as fuck or whatever. But I thought, you know, but yeah, so I don't understand why she didn't keep that quiet. That was very interesting to me, okay? Uh, but, you know, people are doing this, and she was very pretty, and she probably wanted to get her face out there and stuff for, you know, uh, uh, in the streets. So I get it. Okay, Dr. Dre is not listening to him. Dr. Dre. Dr. Dre is ordered to pay his ex-wife $500,000. It, it was a couple weeks before Dre Somebody, I keep Dr. Trey's still trying to fight this woman. I don't know why he keep he keep he keep having battles in court. That the the tea leaves on the wall are saying that she's getting ready to go get she gonna get a lot of money. She's won almost every one of her battles. I don't know why Drake keep fighting with her. Drake keep Drake trying to hold on to that money. He like you signed a prenup, damn that. But she she is literally getting breaking down all his. Dre, she didn't gave Dre an aneurysm. Well, I ain't saying she gave Dre an aneurysm, but Dre done had an aneurysm since the divorce. <laughs> oh, that ain't funny, but he done, that's how stressed the fuck out he did. She's been dragging his ass in and out of court. She also got a, a, a order to, for his mistresses to be able to come forth to ask his mistresses questions in court about the money. I mean, she be getting all kinds of stuff. It's almost like Dre, shut up. Okay, but this is according to Daily Mirror. Dr. Dre is ordered to pay $500,000 to a strange wife, Nicole Young's divorce lawyer. But it's only a small portion of the $5 million she's demanding from the billionaire hip-hop mogul. Hip-hop doc, uh, Dr. Dre Tuesday to, uh, was ordered Tuesday to pay half a million dollars a couple weeks ago uh, to his estranged wife, Nicole's divorce lawyer. The $500,000 is only 10% of the whooping $5 million she was demanding, uh, uh, demanding. Nicole 51 has asked the judge to force her husband to pay her $2 million per month in spousal support, plus $5 million for her attorney's fees. In a hearing downtown L.A. Tuesday, L.A. Superior Court Judge Powell ordered the 50, 56-year-old Dre to pay her lawyers just 500000 within 10 days. Last week, Dre, Dre scored a major victory against Nicole by defeating separate lawsuits in which she was laying claim to half of his estimated billion dollars. And also, he did win one. Okay, it says uh, Nicole Young, 51, had asked uh, Los Angeles Michael Powell to force her wealthy soon-to-be ex-husband to pay $2 million a month. But at a hearing, okay, we already read that. Pending the next hearing dates on this matter, the court grants only 500000 in attorney fees to petitioner Nicole's counsel. The judge said in the rent written ruling, fees are to be paid to the petitioner counsel no later than May the 7th, Okay. Uh, Tuesday's hearing was also an introduction to the court of Dr. Dre's new attorney, Joe Manis. Now, the other attorney quit, okay? That's another side you can get, who was hired by the music tycoon to replace Renan, because she got that, because she said she, she got that happening, too. She made him fire his lawyer because 
she, Laura Wessler was there, both of their lawyers at one time. So it was a conflict of interest. It says last week, Judge Powell kicked Wessler, Wessler and Dre's personal lawyer, Howard King, off the legal team over a conflict of interest. King had represented both Dre and Nicole during the marriage, and Weiser was uh, uh, disqualified because she was working with King. Beverly Hills-based uh, Manus is also considered a heavyweight among Hollywood divorce attorneys with his partner, Neil Karsh. His celebrity clients have included Angelina Jolie, Holly Berry, and Tim Burton. Okay, Holly Berry is, you know, I ain't going to say nothing. Okay, DailyMail.com reveals that Nicole filed court documents accusing Dre of violent and emotional abuse and everything. It's, it's been all kind of stuff. Listen, to me, Dr. Dre, even though he's been able to win a few, he's still fighting her about this estate. And he's and he's been losing so many. I mean, she got his lawyers kicked out. I mean, my God, if you guys were married for fucking twenty four years, can you not come to some fucking agreement? And Dre, it's for your health. I mean, listen, you literally had an aneurysm. I don't understand this man. I mean, he really is trying to keep that money like that. I, I don't understand people like that. He would disturb me though. You know what I'm saying? Like men like him would disturb. Because I, you know, it tells me like Dre. I, I for me, I would see that okay, Dre is uh, this. This might be it for Dre. Must not believe he can do more than than what he's already done. Okay, so it, 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 for I would be even though Dre, Doctor Dre, has more than the average guy. You know, the average man out there. I would still be questioning why fight because you know most men when they got that like Bill Gates he gonna give they he starts over a billion dollars in stock to Melinda Gates like the first day but you know that's just a down payment he gonna have to pay big shit she been married twenty seven years okay she's gonna get a lot of money she's gonna get a lot of money up in the house I'm sure they signed a lot of prenups because he was in ninety seven so he was clearly pretty wealthy then. Uh, but listen, she's made, he's made a lot in that marriage. And if she was, she's had a lot of children. She's had, they got that three or four kids. Listen here. She's going to walk away with quite, I bet she have the biggest divorce settlement, bigger than, uh, uh, Jeff Bezos. But Jeff Bezos didn't give a fuck about giving, uh, that girl like a uh, 200 and some billion dollars and shit. He was like, shit, I got, you know, what, we want $200 billion, about, what, like 50 or $60 billion. He didn't care because he's like, I've got way more Earning power, earning power. Fuck, fuck, what the fuck? I ain't worried about that. She ain't stressing me out. Okay, here you go. Here you go. You deserve that. You know, are you with her? You've been married a long time. Bill's probably gonna do the same damn thing. Unless he's a toxic ass Scorpio. You know, like real toxic. Okay, and on some revenge shit. But Bill is probably gonna probably just say, you know, fuck that. Here's, because he got more earning power. Bill Gates has potentially way more earning power. So he doesn't have to worry about a little measly giving her a little bit less than half. Because he's going to make far more within the next coming years. Men like Dr. Dre, I'm wondering if he's worried. Like, Dre is at the end of his rope. Like, Dre, even though I don't see Dre at the end of the rope, he's one of the great producers in hip-hop. But my question is, why would you Why you keep worrying with this bitch? Just give her the money. You know, you was married to her that long. You know she knows stuff about you nobody else knows. You just hand her the client. You haven't given a good excuse to why. I mean, I know she had a prenup, but why Why this, Why use up all this energy? Only a man who probably thinks he can't make that much again and doesn't have that much earning power, right? So maybe Dre's at the end of his rope. And if he's at the end, not meaning like at the end of his potential earning power. And if he is, then okay, I get it. 
okay? Because, because you know, maybe the beef deal was an accidental deal. You know, like, damn, we ran into Apple and they was dumb enough to pay a billion dollars for this shit. Dang, I just lucked up. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so that tells me that he's, he's very afraid of losing that. So, you know, uh, and has a woman, you know, why Dre has a lot of money and he has a name. As a woman, you do have to look at, is he at the end of his potential earning power, okay? Because he does have, how many, you have to count the children he has, so he's new women, and he's looking at Dre, has a potential. Uh, he's got one, two, three, it's like four or five kids. That state's going to be sick that way. And then you've got to say, well, like, does he, I mean, he does, he's going to have, he's got more than Billy Bob down the street, but... Where is he going in life? I mean, he's spending an awful lot of time fighting Nicole. <laughs> Where some people just are like, like, I don't want to do all that. You know, it's just, I mean, I, I mean, when it, it, it makes me wonder, like, if he just stopped. Because, you know, Dre hasn't even been producing this stuff that much or making music anymore. You know, so it's just sort of like, and it's important to, you know, kind of know what a man's earning potential is going to be. I mean, Dre's pretty young, and he's earned a lot. What's Dre, but has he, I mean, he's still young, though. What's Dre, like, 50? Come on, like, so you, you, you're not at a time in age yet. So it's sort of like, is he, is, he, is he fighting with her so much because he doesn't believe in the potential of his earning power? Huh. Interesting. That's a, that's something I pay attention. You know, as a you got to pay attention to. You got to say, hmm, like what is that? You know, because most men who can really like make it back don't trip off of that stuff. They just say, hey, she been with me twenty some years. We got two kids. Fuck it. Give her thirty. 20, give her two hundred. Give her two hundred million and tell her about shit. I ain't got time for this. But not Dre. Dre's fighting his ass off <laughs> to the point of he's out here having aneurysms. Yeah, my ass be like not worth it to me. <laughs> okay, uh, and he's young, and you can. I mean, you. It seems like it'd be easier to make another billion dollars than to deal with the COVID. <laughs> Gee, I just try my head at the COVID. I be like, hell, <laughs> I'm gonna just try that. Try another billion dollars. Give her ass some money. I'm tired of her ass. <laughs> she is no joke. Okay. All right, let's talk the last story of the day, Erica Minya, okay? Erica Minya got mad at Wendy Williams this week because Wendy Williams said what was obvious. Erica Scorpio. Scorpio, it's no I'll sense of getting It's no sense of getting mad. It's no sense of getting I, I had an audio come on, excuse me, y'all. But Erica Minya, it's no sense of getting mad. You know, Scorpio is sometimes mad when somebody confronts them with their own toxicity. And the cancer knows. She's telling you the truth. You are childish. You and Safari have been back and forth on social media arguing with each other. And you let him say some very terrible, you know, I think, I think here's the thing. I'm going to tell you the truth. Okay. Erica Minya is pregnant again, okay, expecting baby, baby number two with Safari after all that arguing they did on social media, okay, acting like they was about to end it. And I really thought she was about to end it, too. I'm going to tell you what I really believe, okay. I, I really hate to say this, but I might be wrong, and Erica Minya, if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. You know, she, she said she's going to come and kick Winnie's dad, okay, uh, you know, this week or something. Ain't nobody got time fighting. You girl, pick too old. Winnie's too old to be fighting me out of the street. But the whole thing is, uh, Winnie told some truth, Erica. Here's what I think. 
This says, uh, Erica Mina and husband Safari, this is from the news, announced a newest addition to their growing family. Uh, Loving Hip Hop's uh, Erica Mina and Safari took to Instagram May 3rd to reveal they expect their second baby together. As fans may recall, the reality TV stars welcomed their first child together, 15 month old daughter Safari Majesty Samuels on February 3rd, 2020. Erica also had a 14 year old son, King Javan Condi, from a previous relationship. The couple's announcement photo for the baby number two made quite the lavish spread with Erica's growing baby front and center and snap, okay? Now, here's the thing. Erica's getting mad. She got mad because people had so much negative to say. But that's because she is on a reality show, and you do reality TV, baby. When you do eat, now, you know how Scorpios, we don't like people in our business. But when you do fucking reality TV, you got to take the bit. You got to take the hit. Okay, and what's happened is Safari and you have been on t- on the thing, and he said so. He said when he said you, he's talking about he didn't like your body allegedly or something like that after you had a baby. He said some pretty wild things, and so the fact that you're having another baby now, it's interesting because it's like will that stop his feeling that he had before? And he at one time said he didn't want to be in a marriage; it was a mistake. Now, maybe y'all, people make up and forgive each other all the time. That's good. But you can't be getting upset because people are criticizing you publicly because this is a fucking, you are on fucking love and hip-hop. You are on fuck or, fucking uh, reality television, and you fuckers were arguing on, 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 on social media. So people are going to put a, say, what, say something about you, Erica. And it's a beautiful thing, yes, that you have a baby on the way. It's a beautiful thing. I don't know how much it's going to help the marriage. Babies usually don't sometimes, you know, bring people together, make their heart around these streets. Hopefully it brings you and Safari together. But if he had those beliefs before, are they going to expand now? Okay? So this is what I'm going to tell you, Erica. I really think the fucking truth is this. I think you feel fucking stuck. Okay? Yes, Scorpio, I think and I think you feel you play you saying you know what Safari ain't the best motherfucker out here, but he doing what he got to do for now. And I am I know where I'm at. I done had two babies. I got one 15 year old out of me, 14 year old in these fucking streets, and I got a little infant I just had with you. And I ain't gonna be the same Erica Minya when I enter these fucking streets again as a single girl. Scorpios is able to deal with the truth, okay? So is it better for me to stick around with this motherfucker with his crazy ass out for a little bit till I get my shit together? Yes. Now, the second baby, even though babies are a blessing, Erica, I'm not so sure if it was a smart idea because he has these thoughts about you. He keeps saying the marriage was a mistake. He keeps saying all this shit and stuff. I hope it works out. I hope you and Ken forget it together. I'm going to be honest, Eric. I think he's gambled on the wrong one. But it's all right. It's all right. You Scorpio gang. Bounce back game, Erica. If you fuck up, you got bounce back game. Even with, well, one is almost wrong, but two were little babies. Okay? You got bounce back game. You can do this, okay? If you fuck up one more time, Erica Minya, if he's out here on social media talking shit about you and everything like that, don't answer back in social media if you don't want people to talk about it. Don't even just divorce. And don't get mad at Wendy Williams when she do her job. Fuck. What the fuck? 
she's got a good, she has a Scorpio does have to get her evil weeds because she's really still, she's, she's still, she's arguing about stuff she's done. She said it was after years, you know, she didn't want to tell Wendy. So Wendy does what she does. This is, this is what we, people like us with these platforms, we talk about what we think. The fuck? Calm down. They talking about you, Erica. Shit, at least she talking about your ass. Maybe she would have had you for a guest in Safari. It would be nice to see. And she's going to ask tough questions. Calm down. There's no reason to be angry and talk about, I'm going to do what your husband should have did and all that stuff. Wendy don't give a shit about you talking about her husband. Wendy was with a man for several years and had a mistress. She didn't give a fuck what y'all thought until y'all made her literally leave the we don't give a fuck now, okay? So I, that stuff, saying that little stuff about her husband, y'all know that I'm giving. You got to, you do got to grow up, Erica, and just understand that reality TV breeds these type of situations, okay, where people are all in your business and very critical of you when you just have a relationship, when you start back a relationship and have a baby with someone who you were just arguing with almost uh, a couple of months ago and talking about a divorce and saying this and that. Yes, people are going to have something to say. Bad. Then you get pregnant by them. They're going to be like, oh, Lord, look at this. She's just stupid. Now, people are going to do that. Okay? They're not going to think it's a blessing for you. Because people, like, didn't he just say he had a problem with you having another baby and all that stuff? See, you know what I'm saying? Why people get angry for stuff that's obvious? It's crazy to me. I, I don't get the fuck why people's mad. I don't get the fuck why she's getting angry. But then that's part of Erica Minya's thing, right? She wants to create the publicity because they are on reality TV. So I got to remember that, okay? So she is probably drawing up the publicity for when they come back on Love and Hip Hop. But I also feel like, you know, bringing a child in the world is serious business. And when a man says something about you having the first child, I'd be very skeptical. This is what happened to Latoya fucking Lucky. She is this Latoya Lucky. Is she a Pisces or a Cancer? I forget what she is. But Latoya fucking Lucky had the same fucking thing. Everybody told her on that reality show, "Don't get pregnant." Why the time got a fucking problem? Don't get pregnant by this man again, Latoya. It's not as chef of your marriage is on safety ground. Oh, you don't think I said that one? Okay. And then here she go. Boom. Pregnant brown. Okay. He was obviously showing himself safety ground. Now I understand shit happens. Okay. But unfortunately for the player, a few months later, what his ass was in the, in the, uh, all over the news for cheating on her ass. Okay. Now I don't know if she's divorced or not. Some people saying she was going back to her. Some people said she wasn't. I don't know whatever the hell. But the whole thing is that people told Latoya's ass that a baby don't heal shit, that a baby don't mean nothing. I mean, you know, babies are a beautiful blessing, but babies are, babies, if anything, babies, sometimes babies heal relationships, but sometimes they don't. Babies are exposure. Babies come to bring clarity. When you have a baby, it is a serious fucking thing, and so it brings clarity. If you've been an immature, running around the street type of chick, and you get pregnant, you end up getting pregnant, it should bring some clarity and slow you the fuck down. Some of y'all still don't take the slowness. Y'all still run around and do crazy stuff. But, but for the most part, babies bring clarity. It is a new phase of life. So if the so Erica, you know, it's not going to be you. Babies are hardly ever uh, heal. Sometimes they are, but seldom do they come as a, a healing of problems in your marriage. And if you get that, like Latoya Luckett and water signs often do, because you might be in for a hell of a disappointment. A second one's going to bring even more clarity. 
if he just doesn't want me. Deal with the toxic Scorpio shit, Erica. <laughs> I tell myself that shit every day. Carl, I don't deal with the toxic Scorpio shit <laughs> when I have it, okay? You know, we just so we can't have it, okay? All right, you guys. That's my last. That's the last story of the day, Erica. Me and Safari. <laughs> I hate to end it on such a bright note. <laughs> Well, congratulations on a baby, though. Babies are a blessing, okay? But, you guys, I hope you enjoyed the show today and me talking and rambling and talking shit like I always do. I just got to get stuff out of my chest. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh, I appreciate you guys listening. Remember, you can hit me up on the Carlotta Chat Wheel Facebook page, Carly's underscore Galaxy on Instagram. C Catwood Show and Carlotta72 on Twitter. Those are both Twitter handles, okay? You guys have a wonderful, wonderful weekend. I hope you enjoy it. Wish me luck on my uh, uh, finals this week. I think I'm going to do well, okay? But still, shit, I need y'all to pray. <laughs> Especially for the Spanish. Okay, and also, uh, I need somebody to teach me Spanish. I'll be like a tutor or something. <laughs> I'm good at, I can, I'm good at it. I'm good at it, but I don't know. How I, I can speak it. Like I don't know if I can speak. I'll be, I'll be, I don't know. Crazy, okay. But uh, yeah, and oh, I forgot to share you guys with my share you guys my news. Okay, I can share it with you guys now. Okay, so Pam Newton, Pam, and and, and I'm gonna try to have Pam on. So she's having a fashion show in Kansas City in uh July. Kansas City's having a lot of fashion shows. <laughs> like Kansas City's like they have a low they they have a great fashion uh starting to really do the fashion show. So I got invited to not only model for this fashion show, she has a model academy in Kansas City, but I got invited to uh be the host and see of it. So I'm excited. I'm excited in July is coming up. The last one that we did was sold out. So I'm really excited for this one, you guys. So wish me luck coming up. No, it's coming up in June. I'm sorry about July. Come up in June. So uh, shout out to that. I'm, I'm, I'm so excited. This is going to be fun. We're going to have so much fun. <laughs> and I love fashion. That's the other thing about me. I love clothes, okay? Oh, my God. Trust me. I've Listen, I was shopping in Texas Avenue when I was four or five, okay? That's facts. That's my, I, I was raised by Ruby Chapman. <laughs> so I love some shopping, okay? I love clothes and stuff. It's, all, it's an issue. <laughs> okay, so a fashion show for me, that's like, that. yeah, I'll be at total home in it, okay? So thank you, Pam, for the opportunity. I cannot wait to do this. I am so excited. And I get to model in it, too, so that's going to be really fun. Okay, I don't know how I'm gonna do both. I'm gonna just probably walk down the first. I'm gonna be the first one walking down and say hi to y'all. <laughs> well, I love you some cute clothes. Okay, so I'm excited for her event. Okay, and uh, I will try to tell you guys more about it as the time comes. I think the tickets have maybe already went on sale. I think they're already on sale or they're going on sale. Okay, I do event bright. Okay, I'm so excited! Yay! All right, so you guys, I want you to have, I had to share that information with y'all, okay? I wanted to share it with y'all, though, because I, I don't know what's happening with it, but now I do. So I'm very excited, and uh, I'll tell you more as we go along, okay? But you guys have a wonderful weekend. I'm, I don't know what I'm going to end with. Goodness. 
Oh, you know what? Let's end it with Jill Scott. Lovely day. Because, you know, it's a lovely day. It's a great day out in the street. <laughs> so let's end it with that, okay? I'm out. Have a good weekend, everybody. I'll see y'all, okay? In the morning, love.